Hi everyone, Scott here. We hope you enjoy this AEW kind of long-form discussion that I have alongside some of the newer members here at Rogue Opinions. Quick disclaimer before we get into this, we say later on that it probably wasn't a good idea to record this before the Go Home Dynamite and Rampage for All Out, and that was proven right as while editing this we found out that not only was Pack for Sandrade off, but then the Women's Casino Battle Royale was moved to the main show, and then they added a big 10-man tag uh, to the, the buy-in, uh, among other things happening. Also, Punk hit the GTS, despite later on you'll see Ryan making a big argument about maybe Punk using a different finisher. He makes a good argument, but it probably does seem null and void after what happened on Dynamite. So, just bear that in mind, try not to love us too much when we say something that may be a bit inaccurate after what happens on Dynamite, or if you've already watched Rampage by this point, then something else may be further inaccurate. But, you know, we have a discussion to give our thoughts on the big stories, the signings of having the AEW, and, you know, we give some predictions for All Out, and we're going to be back soon for an All Out review. But on that, we hope you enjoy Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rogue Opinions, and welcome to our discussion here of WWE Dynamite. Oh, wait, hold on. I've done a J on the first five seconds. Hello, I am your host for today, Scott McLeod, who definitely didn't just come up with a shitty intro on the spot. And we are here to talk about some wrestling that our panelists actually want to talk about after a pretty much depressing a very fairly depressing end to our SummerSlam slash TakeOver review. Go back and check that out if you're feeling too good about yourself. And we're here to talk about AEW because we've got a pay-per-view coming up and just we've not really talked about AEW in quite a long time. It's been a long time since we did grap- regular grapple updates, so we've not really talked about AEW in quite a while. So we thought it was about time because so much has been happening, especially since fans have probably started coming back full-time. Uh, I'm okay. Obviously, your host for this Let's call it an EW roundtable of sorts. And first off, I'm joined by a man who is so desperate to talk about EW. He made sure he meant to talk more about EW than he did NXT on an NXT review. And he also reminded me that before we recorded that we were actually recording this on the third year anniversary of All In, which is quite fitting. It is Rian. Hello, Rian. How are we? I'm sitting here in my Brody Lee shirt. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I have been watching uh, WWE vicariously through YouTube and then nitpicking pay-per-views. Uh, I have been watching Dynamite quite religiously for the last last while. I've been, uh, got the fight pass, so I'm very much looking forward to talking about this. Def- very different mindset. Uh, equally as excited, but uh, maybe a little bit more because we're about to talk about some good wrestling, which is uh, rare. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm buzzing. Uh, our next panellist for today is a new- our newest member of the Rogue Opinions team. Uh, you may have heard her recently on a new podcast alongside Nathan Greener looking at some fairly unique heists uh, throughout the world of history. Uh, because she shares a name with somebody else on the show, uh, we're going to have to c- 
come up with some clever nicknames here. Uh, her name is Sam Carmichael, but for today's purposes, she'll be known as Sammy. Hello, Sammy. Hello. How are you, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm looking forward to talking about AEW. It's the only wrestling at the moment that I'm actually watching regu- uh, religiously. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. So you you, had, you first got your podcast alongside Nathan, and you know you got a chat with uh, these two the two most talkative guys probably on Rogue Opinion. So you've really been thrown in at the deep end for your first couple of podcasts, haven't you? <laughs> I don't mind it, to be fair. <laughs> it means that if I can't come up with anything to say, then, you know, I can just sit here quietly. But <laughs> I'm sure I'll be able to say something. Yeah. And talking about people who talk too much, uh, my next up is my co-host from the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review. He's also called Sam. Uh, he, but he can be known by a variety of names. Bruce, Dickhead. But for today... He'll be known as Preston. Hello, Preston. Hello, sir. How can I assist you today? You can maybe not cause this podcast to go three and a half fucking hours. I promise you nothing. I just say, I, I just want to say, you know, I've got a, a vaccine. My second dose of vaccine in two days. So if I can be done with this podcast before then, that would be a great help. <laughs> I, I've got to move to looking after uh, my aunt and uncle's house on Friday, and I'm hoping by that point we might have at least completed talking about All Out 2021. So I don't know about the rest of it, but I have hopes high, expectations low. Which I is want, big... I want to watch Dynamite tonight, so let's <laughs> let's let's keep it short. <laughs> yeah, we could do a live podcast about it. And then release it a couple of days later by still talking about it. I'm sure that would be awesome. Everyone will love that. I want, mm. I want to see what happens on Dynamite tonight. Uh, just, ca- just in case something happens on Dynamite that completely contradicts something we talked about here. And then in the end, I can just point out, this was recorded before Malachi Black kicked Brock Anderson's head off. I don't know. Yeah, this, let's, physically, yeah, physically let, yeah let's make that disclaimer. Let's make that disclaimer that we're recording this before the Go Home show. So if we... Um, if we somehow completely, if any of our references are outdated by then, then go fuck yourself. Sorry. Well, the question is which go home show? Because we have the Dynamite go home show or we have Rampage go home show. So we could technically have it that we don't finish until Friday and then still be outdated. Mm, well, you know, tough. <laughs> yeah, tough. We can only do so much. But let's talk about that. Rampage, that's when the big story of AEW that they've added a fourth show, a one-hour Friday night show called Rampage. We should start with that because the first two big points I want to talk about that have happened recently in AEW both happened on the first two episodes of Rampage. And before we talk about what actually happened on them, I want to go around everybody and kind of talk about, you know, what you think about Rampage, like when you heard about it and the idea of AEW adding a new show. Sam. Samuel, to start with you because you said uh, a while ago that AEW, especially during the pandemic, you've watched quite a bit of it. It's the main wrestling you're watching now. So, how did you feel when you heard that we were going to get another hour a week of AEW? I was really looking forward to it uh, because uh, with AEW Dynamite, um, I don't know why it just doesn't feel like it's two hours long. I don't know if anyone else thinks that, but it doesn't feel. Um, so when I heard they were getting another hour, it's like, awesome, 
so I was really looking forward to it. Uh, but I just feel like when we're watching it, it's just not long enough. <laughs> um, but then I think that's what it's always, I think that's a good thing because when it comes to wrestling, I think that kind of brings the fans back is wanting more and wanting to see more. Uh, so I think that they're doing their job with that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of fans uh, have forgotten just how good an hour-long wrestling show can truly be because we're so used to two hours and, in some indications, three hours of, of wrestling. But, you know, people forget that NXT was, mm. NXT day was only an hour long. And so, like, it does feel leave you wanting more, and I think that's the, the, the benefit of AEW Rampage. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, obviously, there's teething issues, um, as, as there would be with everything. Um, but the whole concept of it, because you can say Dark and Elevation, they're the Irish, but they are really development. You, you have like, yeah, like Pack inside there last night, and that's a cool match. But regular, I don't watch Dark and Dark Elevation unless there's a match that I've heard that was good on it, and I'll go to YouTube, and that that that's good in its own right. Uh, Rampage is is good because it's kind of as Sammy said, it's like the two hours goes by, which is a good thing. You shouldn't feel like it's dragging out like a like a three hour uh, and I'll try not to reference W too much. <laughs> But um, you can't help but stick the needle in. Um, the four-man commentary booth is obviously something that we'll probably bring up. It's not very good. Um, I do like the split-screen interviews for the main event. Um, I liked uh, Moxley saying he has more chance of getting... Uh, Danny Garcia has more chance of getting him pregnant and beating him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the... Refine the commentary booth. Um, send Jericho to... Just get sit Jer- Jericho down with like Taz or something and get him to commentate properly and not scream um, and not put Brandon Cutler in the ring and I think they were in a winning recipe Yeah, I think the commentary team I think it was a four-man commentary for that oh god, it's going to be terrible, but they actually they don't have the four-man team for the whole show because sometimes Mark Henry has to go away for those interviews, and he has a really good interview and I think he's developed probably through these times as part of busted open radio so sometimes there is a three-man booth but like I don't think Mark Henry's really had any commentary experience, and yet he's so much better than Jericho I think if you just remove Jericho from the equation on the AEW Rampage, the show would sound a lot more better commentary-wise. But, yeah, um, but that, that, that's a problem in itself, because if Jericho's not commentating, he's in the ring. And I, uh, um, yeah, but um, I think Jericho, with a bit of refinement, I think with the right commentary team, he could be... Because I'd like to see him transition out of the ring, because I'm just not enjoying his wrestling anymore. We'll probably talk about that later. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a topic for debate, but... Um, I'm really interested to see how they, they keep the concept, but I'd like to I'd like to see what match they put on it going forward. I like Danny Garcia being showcased. Um, I wasn't a fan. Like um, The main event last week just wasn't for me. Um, there was some good stuff. There's been some good stuff on it so far, but um, it'd be interesting to see how they split the kind of important matches between the shows, because there's been a few big matches on Rampage already, but it'd be very interesting to see what they do going forward. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason that this week's Rampage wasn't as good for a lot of people is probably because partly because it was taped and every so often they said they're going to tape uh, an episode of Rampage rather than have it live. But also when you look at the last two weeks of Rampage and the big things that happened on them, especially on week two, it was very going to be very hard for this most recent episode of Rampage to really follow it. Uh, Preston, you've made a reference in the blogs about you've had, uh, you did an article recently talking about the idea of a AEW, they did their own version of the network. Do you not think sooner, sooner rather than later they should be doing that soon, given that they've got four shows, three of them on YouTube? Do you think it would not be easier to have them all in one place? Because 
you know, it's fair enough in America, you can watch it live, but internationally, a lot of us have to settle for watching it the next day. That was actually what inspired my initial idea for discussing the possibility of an all elite network because in the UK, well, at least for England, um, we can watch AEW Dynamite and keep on top of it, but AEW Rampage isn't an option yet. And considering that the first two AEW Rampage events had such huge moments in it, it's a little bit unfortunate that we can't get to enjoy the moment as well because we have to either try and find a stream or we have to wait until it's actually online and that sort of thing. Whereas bringing in a network of some type means that they can start allowing you to watch order shows, you can pick your matches, etc. There it was I mainly used the discussion of the All Elite Network to go into some of the feature ideas I had, which one of them, for instance, was using the ranking system that if you picked a wrestler you liked and clicked on their rank it like their say if they're like 20 wins, two losses, one draw, etc. If you clicked on it, you would come up with a playlist of all of their matches which I feel would be quite beneficial when it comes to when someone says, oh, this person is now third in the ranking after having won so many matches. And sometimes people, because there are four shows and it's hard to keep on top of all of them, um, they're like, well, I, I'm not sure how that would have happened yet, but you could have this opportunity to dig and dive, uh, do a deep dive and learn more. For myself, I have it that, I have watched every single Dynamite episode. It is the one wrestling show that I want to watch every single week without fail. AEW Rampage obviously watched the first couple of episodes and Dark and Dark Elevation would be every now and again. But just imagine if you were allowed to have it that if you clicked on, say, Fuego del Sol or however his name is pronounced and you could see the oh, the whole of his journey to where he started off as a jobber and gradually became a fan favourite uh, from, I do think that the use of having a W Rampage just one hour is a master stroke considering that from the sounds of it Tony Khan was offered the option of increasing AEW Dynamite by one hour it would have been very easy for him to go yeah we'll just do that but Instead, by keeping Dynamite to two hours, you keep that pace that makes it so exciting. And then you have one hour dedicated to Rampage, so it leaves you wanting more. So it's it's using the wants and expectations of the fans in a clever enough manner that they want to come back the next week to watch more wrestling, as opposed to having to watch, let's say nine hours of television in a single week just so they're kept up kept up to date it would eventually burn you out so the decision to have rampage is just one hour i thought was a master stroke as sammy said it leaves you wanting to come back and watch it again which i think is really good uh input and what i'm half expecting is that they may use rampage to have big moments such as like one big match or one big debut or something like that. But if you notice with the, with the CM Punk episode, for instance, the majority of the matches were, were not big matches. It was more about giving these people, these youngsters an opportunity to be seen on a big platform. So they used the big option of, like, say, Christian versus Kenny Omega or CM Punk debuting, and they combine it with all of the some of the lesser-known stars to allow them the opportunity to be seen on a bigger network, which I think is a really clever way of differentiating between 
Rampage and Dynamite to some degrees, both of them can have big moments and big matches, but you're more likely to see the ongoing storylines on Dynamite with the biggest impact, whereas Rampage may allow you the opportunity to see some of the lesser stars growing and every now and again having these big matches. So I feel the mixture might be uh, more on Rampage. But overall, from day one, I'm thinking that what they're doing with Rampage is absolutely fantastic. I love the idea they've got going behind it. You know, my my favorite thing about AEW Moment isn't both the shows. I think the thing that they do best is the... Because it's a last night where they were recording on a Wednesday last night and then Thursday night sometimes they wrote to uh, things on YouTube. It's something as simple as a 10 minute, like 10 minute preview of their Dynamite or their Rampage where you have Santana and Ortiz um, talking about FTR and FTR talking about wanting to get their pound of flesh to just get you so much more invested than just WWE putting up match graphics and then not going ahead with them, uh, as we saw on Monday night. But AEW just having a 10 minute YouTube video whether like just the, the hype and the kind of the camera work and the promos in the just letting the wrestlers speak for themselves the Don Callis and Chris Christian Cage Canada thing is just just the simple things that get you so much more hype for a show than just announcing matches for no reason that's the thing that I think AEW are really really nailing at the moment mm. yeah I think stuff like the Road Tour or like BT or things like that they're stuff you could put on any W network because they don't do it as much nowadays but AEW in the early days really expected you to watch everything elite related in order to understand certain storyline beats, which wasn't really possible for you, for most viewers. So you're kind of being expected, oh, here's so and so showing up, you should know who they are. I don't. Who are they? Tell me. And I also think it would be cool with this Forbidden Door if you can like show stuff from other from the other promotions you're working with on the network, because New Japan have been doing that on their streaming service, because whenever the USD was defending on an episode of Dynamite, that match in particular would be put on New Japan streaming service or whenever Jay White or Finn just wrestle on Impact, that match is then put up on on, uh, on New Japan World. So I think there's advantages there. And obviously, with the more content they add, I think it's better, especially for international viewers. But I'm actually looking forward to Rampage on a weekly basis more than Dynamite more often, especially after the last couple of weeks. And I hope they can keep this kind of going. Elevation and Dark, I only watch every so often. Especially during a pandemic, every so often I just get this urge to like, I want to watch wrestling. I just want to watch people lose very quickly. I just want to watch some sports matches. So I end up putting one of those two shows on. But sometimes you get really a hidden gem in there, like the Lucha Brothers VTH2. That was very good. But we've got a story to talk about here that everybody probably wants us to talk about. We have a man who's been away from wrestling for a long time. He impressed a lot of people when he wrestled before. It's been a while, and now he has returned to the ring. Who wants to be the first person to talk about Stephen Amell and the and the Star TV show Heels? I like the look of the Star TV show Heels, but we're not talking about. It. <laughs> I'm so excited about it; it's not even funny. I love the idea of it, and I can't wait to watch the episodes. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, I would I would have looked a lot better if I'd actually watched any of Heels yet, but I thought I'd throw that in. CM sorry, sorry for spoiling your your actual. No, I'm not spoiling anything. But um, CM Punk's character Ricky Rabies. I'm all for a wrestling character called Ricky Rabies. <laughs> yeah, and his and his wife on the show is played by Mona from Friends, which is always a plus. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, on the second episode of Rampage, Ricky Rabies made his AEW debut. <laughs> he was uh, all elite. 
and Chicago rejoiced. Especially one man in the crowd who cried in a display of emotion towards wrestling that hasn't been seen since that one guy who yelled, It's still real to me, damn it. And then um, and then Tommy Dreamer found him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone saw that Tommy Dreamer found him. I think he got free tickets as well. So I'm going to cry next time I have a camera in my face and see what happens. But no, real emotion. Really much. You could yeah. do that the next time you decide to do a charity show. We'll pay more oh. money the more you cry. Oh, oh man. That would be amazing. For the kids. For the ki- hashtag for the kids. Yeah, hashtag for the kids. But, you know, they they tease it so much that they pretty much had to do it. If they didn't give you CM Punk on that episode of Rampage, Chicago would have burned the United Center to the ground. Honestly, there would have been a riot. And oh, they played a blinder. Fair enough, how are you? Do you think they did the smart thing by getting him out to start the show and oh, just let him yeah. oh, yeah. before the show? Yeah, they played an absolute blinder because they got the fans in. They didn't do a surprise where you wouldn't get that big rain if you just did a surprise. They teased it just enough, but they didn't really like they it was basically like if you fill in the blanks and they're pretty obvious. It's like if you have the if you're playing a, a like a if you're playing a game of hangman and there's literally the word fun but the U was missing. It was literally like he's coming but we're not going to tell you he's coming then they had the kind of the light they came on I was in a discord call and a lot of grown men cro- cried that night it wasn't just a guy in the crowd but they had the lights flickering and then the music hit and it was just everything about it was perfect and when I think I said this on the the SummerSlam review when you had the big thing for me was you had Becky Lynch come back and squash Bianca Belair but you had CM Punk come back after seven years and the first thing he said was uh, you really know how to make a guy feel like Britt Baker in Pittsburgh and then he goes on his promo and then he talks to Darby Allen. It I couldn't fault it Jim Cornette couldn't fault it if that's, not, if that's not enough to tell you how good this was Jim Cornette called it perfect and I don't think Jim Cornette has ever called anything perfect except himself um, I don't so, think that miserable fucker loves anything more than he loves himself. <laughs> so the fact he actually liked the promo, almost like you could, you could almost like bow me over with a tickle. I'd be that shot. Yeah, no, it was just, it was perfect. Um, the ice cream bars which they are now selling, of course. Um, but yeah, no, it was just everything about it. The t-shirt reveal. Can I tell you a story? The Ring of Honor references. Um, which we we were discussing in the private chat about like the Ring of Honor the Ring of Honor run and how like I'd love to like talk about that and go back and watch that in full, but just everything about it and then the Darby Allen stuff and yeah no it was absolutely fantastic and it was just kind of like it was probably the best thing I've ever watched live in wrestling and I I've, I've a very you guys have had a lot more stuff you guys have watched a lot more I I I got into wrestling post twenty ten so. Maybe there's something else that kind of matched that for you, but that was just, it was an, honestly an hour body experience for those 15 minutes. And oh my God, it was, yeah, it was just, and I can't wait to see what they do next. But yeah, uh, I'd be going on forever if I if I could, but no, it was perfect. Not, not, none were bad to say, but. Yeah, I think they, they played it right because they, they rest, you know, they, they save them for the end. They risked the rest of the other parts of the show being kind of hijacked with CM Punk chance. So they got him out early, let everybody get the chat out of their system, and then they put Crowd on the interview. And they gave you the really good tag match to follow, and the show continued as it was supposed to. Uh, Sammy, there has been rumours about Punk coming back for quite a long time. He was even rumoured, people thought he was going to show up all in. People thought he was going to show up at the first ever all out because they were both in Chicago. But, you know, now he's actually in. AEW, he's apparently contracted 10 to 12 matches a year 
uh, from what I've heard. And we we all knew he was going to be a wrestler, but I don't know about you, but I wasn't expecting him to announce his very first match then and there. Same. I thought they were going to kind of like draw out a wee bit more, but I think uh, just announcing it was really like really good because it kind of got the fans really hyped up for the pay-per-view. So if the pay-per-view wasn't going to be sold out before, it definitely was going to be sold out after that uh, airing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and I have to say, when he came out uh, with his entrance, I just loved watching the uh, security like shit themselves with him like jumping <laughs> into the crowd. Yeah. And yeah. I think it was uh, at the next uh, Dynamite showing, you could just see that security guard being like, okay, I'm going to make sure that he does not jump into this Because <laughs> you could just see him on like, the hard camera, just like standing there looking like a brick house. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it was I, so funny. Yeah. I saw someone say, could you imagine if CM Punk tested positive for COVID? <laughs> like, like, which, which you laugh at, like it's not far like it's not like it's pretty rampant in america like we're not like we, we may be like laughing about but like could you imagine just a few days out you test positive for COVID? jesus oh now you've put that into the universe now Rian. so if it happens it's fucking your fault it's not my fault it's fucking chicago's fault <laughs> I, I will i will send scott to you and he can stab you out of annoyance oh man all the airport security asking for your COVID sir <laughs> If, uh, if that happens, that security guard is going to come up all smugly. I told you not to jump into the car. It's probably one of them that gave you. Yeah, and I really uh, hope CM Punk hits him in a GTS and doesn't fuck off. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this match with Darby. And like the one thing I'll say about Chicago, uh, is that it pretty much feels like Chicago, you used to hear back in the day that certain towns or you know, territories were certain companies like Atlanta for WCW, New York for WWE, and to an extent, it kind of still is, but Chicago is basically AEW territory now. And if that was more evident, they sold out a 10,000 seater venue uh, for a one hour show that they did live. They probably put some dark matches in there as well. They've sold out the Sears Center for Dynamite, Rampage, and All Out all in the same weekend. I mean, hey, the Now Center. Give the now Center. Give. Thank you. But like, there's this one hosting it there. Because also the history of all out and everything, like where it was originally held. But you know, they, if they wanted to, they could have run all three of those shows in the United Center, and all three probably would have sold out. That's how strong the EW love in Chicago is. Absolutely, and I think the love that Chicago has for AEW is not just because they get to see tremendous shows, tremendous wrestling. I think what AEW has demonstrated, and it was especially pertinent in CM Punk's debut is a sincerity. Wrestling is the sort of business that unfortunately is very easy to get um, nihilistic to some point, an expectation that you're going to be let down or you're lied to or you're being tricked or something like that. And what AEW did was very clever in that they hinted more than anything and allowed people to fill in the blanks. But in that situation, they didn't punish you for getting infested, which is one of the things that frustrates me so much at times when it comes about wrestling. It's a, a case of how dare you even consider caring about it. And what CM Punk's debut really was, was it was a 
it was a representation of like it's fine to care about what you're watching so that's why i don't mind the fan who's crying i don't mind the fact that when cm punk came out he he was already teary-eyed and that sort of thing it's the fact that they could have done all sorts of tricks all sorts of lies and instead they they said here you go and they allowed the fans to enjoy the moment. They allowed CM Punk to soak in the moment, allowed the tower story that put over Punk and also young members of the roster in Britt Baker, Darby Allen, and also several others that Punk is going to hint at and go on to face and that sort of thing. It made it feel like it really mattered. And I, that's why I feel this episode was so important, not just for making Rampage uh, successful, but also it's probably one of the biggest opportunities for a lot of new fans to basically, uh, no, a lot of old fans to come back and be shown, we will not punish you for wanting to come back straight away, open up the show, have a little bit of a moment where you're waiting and then CM Punk comes out and you enjoy the moment. There's no people running in attacking him. There's no like pretending he's going to talk and then he walks out and, uh, throws a little figure. Yeah. It just, you, you can enjoy it. And I love that. And I feel you couldn't have asked for much more than what you got in that situation. And what that means is that anytime in the future that a promise or a hint is made, I think more and more fans are going to come back wanting to watch it because it's been proven. Yeah, it's already been proven that it works. And this could be one of the most important moments in AEW history, not just because of who appeared, but what it represented. Yeah, the the, the dynamite they followed it with is another issue, but I don't want to let that ruin. I don't want to let that that It it shouldn't tarnish it and anything, but but yeah, no, it was. I have a pitch for the the Derby and Punk match. Are we at that point, or I I was was going to go around at the end. Uh, end of the show and like get every quick prediction oh, for yeah. all. Oh yeah, so, that's definitely I'll save it for them. But, but before then, something else we can do uh, while we're wrapping up the CM Punk section is like also Darby Allen was a, a dream match. I didn't think they'd give us it right away. I think they were just I thought when they did the even a few of the best in the world comment that Darby did a few so was just putting playing the Steve's going to be a future opponent against Punk later on. So like like other than Darby Allen, I'm gonna go around everybody. I want you guys to give me one person from AEW who you want to see Punk face after Darby Allen. I'll go, Sammy, I'll start with you. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think I'd really like him to go up against Penta. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Great shout. Yeah, like- I, just, I just think their styles would go so well together, especially with Penta's kind of like harder like style. Uh, I just think that would be like that'd just be an amazing match, especially if he comes out in his Joker get up. And we know Punk's a big comic book guy, so if he has something comic inspired on his gear, I think that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty cool to see. Uh, person, what do you think? I'm going to say not only because I think the match would be excellent, but the build up and the promos could be some of the best we see in AEW. I'm going to go with. Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Seeing oh. those two face off, I I I feel like the row two package would have to be two hours long because you wouldn't be able to cut anything out because it like 
Or can you imagine if they just like did promos against one another for like two months, building up to a huge big pay per view show? I, like, if you love promos, you're probably going to be sat there ejaculating into your nearby corner. It's going to be ridiculously good, mm. and the match itself, I feel, is one of those where not only would the two of them suit really well against one another, but I can see it being one of those where Punk could put over MJF and make another star. Because um, MJF is a guaranteed like figurehead for this company for the next ten years, and he is only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about Punk v MJF. I think I think the promos would be so good. I don't think anyone would give a shit if the match was good or not. That's how good they would probably be. Uh, Ryan, I'll get your your pick now. Um, I think this is just the same as the promos and then the match, and they obviously have a bit of backstory. I think Punk and Moxley would fuck. I just think Punk and Moxley in a program. I think they could call, they could make slow, slow references, but I think they could, they could kind of build on like they were both, they were both, they're both very changed men. They're both very different men now. They're both because they obviously had, they were originally meant to be like Punk originally wanted the Shield to be his heaters, and then they obviously had a little bit of a feud where like Punk was, Punk, uh, it was hinted that Punk had the Shield working for him. And then they had the kind of Punk trying to tell the Shield that like who's the strongest member, so you can play off that subtly without even directly referencing it. But I just think Punk and Moxley, you could have um, you could have like Moxley, even you could throw in like Moxley. We all know Moxley's a fan of the the alcohol, and if you want to play off that story, then you can. If that's the route you want to go down, um, there's so many routes you can go down, and then the promos are just fantastic, and the match would just I I I, I think when CM Punk CM Punk can do a proper brawl. Brawl style match with them um, with Moxie. I just think it'd be fantastic because two of the two. I would have said MJF as well, but I'd love to see him and Moxie. That's a really good idea, I think. And I've got actually two in mind. I know I said I was getting one very rude, but I'm hoping making up his own rules. Fuck you. <sighs> the hypocrisy is unbelievable. Damn it. Well, when you host a podcast, you can make the rules up yourself. But until then, uh, for similar reasons to reading about maybe implementing some of. Punk straight edge and a lifestyle into a storyline. I was gonna say Punk and Hangman Page mm. for for Hangman's you know, alcoholism uh, thing when he was feeling down about himself, doubting himself, and then Punk. with the belt. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and also just for the spot of hopefully Hangman going for the flipping over for the the buckshot and Punk just ducking down catching when the GTS. I think would just be amazing. And this one less for the match, but more the real life ramifications of it because he did say I have some old scores to sell. Uh, Punk versus Colt Cabana. Yeah, or or, or 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 you could bring back the Second City Saints and have the Second City Saints versus the Umbo. Oh, two two ears, two ears of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many a random options. one, a random one that just came into mind. I wouldn't, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out they have actually wrestled in WWE, but I would love to see Punk versus Christian given 20 minutes to tell a story in the ring because I'm a huge fan of Christian. I was probably one of the few that when he was revealed to be the latest signee of AEW, I was so fucking happy because I think he is possibly one of the most underrated talents of the last 20 years. Mm. He has done so well at telling stories in all of his matches. And it's something that it looks like he's trying to pass along to Jungle Boy, who, again, is one of those that's only going to get 
better and better as it goes along. So, and CM Punk has always been a tremendous storyteller as well. So I would love to see a match between Christian and CM Punk where they're just allowed 20 minutes in the ring where they can tell a story. If you think of like Christian versus Randy Orton, CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan, I feel like this would be the perfect blend of the two. And it just makes me, it almost gives me shivers in anticipation of how fucking good it could be. And the great thing is, lads, we're going to get them all. <sighs> oh, God. They have, they have actually faced, faced a couple of times in like 2011 on like TV, and the fact that I had to look that up uh, shows that they probably weren't the best. Like, not the best. I'm saying they weren't good matches, but they didn't also have any story behind them. But you said getting to tell an actual story behind them because one of Christian's one of my favorite Christian runs is the whole one more match mm. thing with Orton. That was, that, that was around that era. That was around that era. That was happening at the same time as the whole the WWE version of the summer upon the hype and everything. So I think that did kind of get lost in that, like mind about twelve eleven. Even though not some people don't like the fact that Christian V Orton ended a DQ, I love it because Orton uh, Christian managed to piss off Orton so much that Orton hoofed him in the balls and went, "Oh fuck, I just lost my belt." Uh, but Christian's like, "Ah, I got it," because he's such a heel. Uh, so I'll, I'd like to see that happen at some point. And he. Here's the question. Punk's guy got to turn heel at some point, isn't he? Because like, I know people love Punk, but for me, heel Punk is best Punk. It's it's so weird to fathom it, but like when you when you have a baby face that you really like, and then they turn heel, and it turns out to be like it's it's always an obvious thing when they're like a baby face because you're a wrestling fan and you're in, and especially with AW when you're so engrossed in a story, a Punk heel turn could be fantastic. A very very especially when you get so engrossed because in a, in 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 like you can just brush it off if it happens elsewhere these days. But in AEW, if someone turns heel, it really really because you get invested in characters. So yeah, I don't know. I I I wonder what how we turn heel. I think that's probably what you were going on to before I started rambling about Punk and. Uh, but um, it'd be very very interesting to see what he does as a heel. Yeah, I think it would depend who he was in the ring with. It had to be someone. If, he, if, it, if Pyman comes back and wins the belt and Punk turns heel on him, I think that'd be a bit of or if it was someone like a Jungle Boy, it would have to Sammy be somebody. It'd have to be somebody that the fans are very much invested in that they'd be willing to boo Punk. But even if they aren't, Punk, I think in the space of one promo, could probably turn everybody against them. Um, I'm very confident in that. But moving away from Punk, otherwise we'll be here kind of all day. Uh, somebody, we could talk about somebody else that uh, Sam's already mentioned, uh, that Preston's already mentioned in the Christian Cage, who's kind of been put in this feud with you know, Omega for the title, and they're going to have the match it all out. Kind of as like the next person below Highman Page, because Christian is undefeated in AEW at the minute. Uh, and I feel bad for Christian, because like, I also, like you, uh, you personally, really was happy to see him at uh, Revolution. I recognised his TNA music, so I could tell it was going to be him before he even came up. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yes, he's here. And and yeah, like I don't get the reaction to him at the time. It was like, oh, somebody Hall of Fame caliber. So they're not in the Hall of Fame, but they should be. That's what that says to me. Who do people <clears> say that should already be in the Hall of Fame by now? Christian. What happens? Christian comes out at, at Revolution. People are like, oh. Everybody can react like to like Christian when Christian came back in ECW. It's it's Christian. That's what the general response seemed to be at the time, which I think is unfair. Uh, and Sam, I'll come to you with your thoughts about this feud with Omega because and a part of it, he's already taken one of the two of the belts away from Kenny White winning the Impact Tale on Rampage but do you think 
Christian's been put in kind of an unfair position given that, you know, for now they've had to put the, the hangman Kenny feud on hold. Um, I don't know. Because I think, um, like, I, I totally agree with um, with you about how that they didn't get the reaction I was expecting them to get. Because as mm-hmm. soon as his music hit, I automatically knew who it was. And I was like, oh, this is so cool because he's such a talented performer. But then the crowd were like, oh, we don't know who this is until his name shows up. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> I mean, I get it, he's not Edge, but come on, you need Edge and Christian, you know, <laughs> back then. Like, I felt like the two of them were really great together, but then Christian on his own, I don't know, it kind of felt like a little bit like uh, in WWE when they had the Shield. It's like they wanted to push Roman to the stars and they wanted to push uh, Seth, but then Ambrose kind of got, like, thrown to the sides. And it's like, come on, he's he's got good in-ring abilities. It's like, come on, just... Let him, you know, give him the him, respect he deserves. Look at him now. Fucking yeah. Best, best out of the three in my, well, I know we're on with school, but in my opinion, I'm a Mox mark in those out of those three. Yeah, I love Mox as well. I think that was actually the point I stopped watching WWE when Moxley left. Because he was the only reason I was watching it, because I really loved his in-ring <laughs> ability and how he just kind of goes crazy. But then seeing... Because I've seen like some of his stuff on the indies, and then seeing him like unchained is awesome. But yeah, uh, the Christian and Kenny feud, I think that's really uh, interesting uh, because Kenny at the moment he's so good at getting you to hate him. Mm-hmm. I feel he doesn't ham it up too much, where I think certain other people do. Um, but I think it's quite believable having someone of Kenny's caliber and Christian's caliber kind of going one-on-one I think it's believable and I think it's quite interesting I'm looking forward to it mm-hmm. it's interesting given his whole thing is outwork everybody and he's been fit he's been he now has to test that against Kenny who's been great as one of the best wrestlers in the world and he's the first person to beat Kenny in over a year when he won the impact belt from and a hell of a match on and that finish with the chair and the, and the kill switch onto the chair was something else and also, because Christian and unique actually, because when he was in Impact originally, this is when they had the NWA title. So now he's been he's the only man to hold the NWA, uh, TNA, and Impact titles for in that company. And then when he made his first appearance in the Impact, he's only he officially retired the TNA belt. He didn't uh, win the he didn't win the GFW TNA belt. Yeah, we don't talk no, about that. nobody. Yeah, nobody talks about the GFW title. That's uh, that's basically hawking gold and hoping for the best. Um, it's funny you mentioned though about um, TNA and Impact because I think Christian going going back to Sammy's point about not having like the reaction everyone expected. Probably, I think Christian is probably going to be one of those that long after he retires and finally gets the recognition he deserves one thing that everyone is gonna probably agree with is the fact that it always seems like wwe was the only company that didn't seem to realize how good of a superstar they actually had because he went to impact and became 
one of the biggest stars there, deservedly, because he was so fantastic and he got put into the positions he actually deserves to be put into. And then you have it as well that he comes to AEW and Tony Khan has been revealed to be a huge fan of his. Like Christian, I think, was saying in certain interviews that Tony Khan was was like gushing wildly about like some tremendous matches Christian had. And Christian was like, I don't even remember those matches. You know, so I think... Christian is really the really probably going to be the best example ever in terms of having not been appreciated in the biggest company, but more appreciated in in the in the currently smaller companies. At the moment, AEW technically is still a smaller company in comparison. But yeah, I love the idea that hopefully the last couple of months wrestling for. Um, AEW, similar to when he was at TNA, Christian is basically showing the fans that he was always this good. It's just that, unfortunately, the fans of the biggest company most used to him never got a true chance to appreciate him as much as they should have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I think it's like, uh, I'm in the same vein as you guys. I, I very much like Christian Cage, but I, my Sam, no, I'm Sam and Scott. You guys know as I am. I, I, I I'm base in in this scenario. I'm dead because I said a hill I'm willing to die on is Hangman needs to be the next person to win that. I was so invested in that. Like everyone was. It was. It's it's such an investing. I'm unfortunately, it's not really unfortunate. He has to have a child and he has to mind the child. I know Mox Mox didn't want to take any parental leave, but Mox is a mad bastard. So um, <laughs> so each to their own. But like. We're gonna get that hangman. Obviously, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get that hang. But as something that's filling the gap, and I hate to say this in filling the gap, but in in an AW sense, this is for for a fill the gap feud. It's been unbelievable. To have him win the TNA belt. Um, you had to take one of the belts off Kenny. It's very very good. You get Kenny Christian going back and doing some stuff in Impact. I would have really really loved that if Kenny lost the AW belt first and began like a downhill slide. But the the way that they have pushed the investment in the Hangman story over to him reuniting a fragmented Dark Order, which I don't think it would have happened if he had to go away. I think it would have just been a straight run to him winning the belt all out. Or, but the fact that he's going to win on like a, a an anniversary of uh, him and Omega's first match at the Full Gear, and the few months between uh, now and Full Gear is going to be him uh, repairing a fragmented all out, uh, a fragmented Dark Order. Sorry, is. A very, very good alternative, and the fact that Christian is able to shine is very, very good. So the tie the two stories together, they've done very, very well and a lot better than people think. Yeah, I think Full Gear, I'm all people say that Double or Nothing and All Out, those two are the two biggest pay-per-views. All Out, some people say is bigger, some people say Double Nothing's bigger, and I think Full Gear and Revolution, while bigger than Royal, because they only do four pay-per-views here, they're slightly below that. I do think Full Gear, like you said, makes a lot more sense, because you know, as the anniversary of when they had that contenders match, which Kenny then used that shot to then win the title. And, like, Kenny doesn't lose a lot in AEW, but then he went on this whole new run of being kind of unstoppable after that point until he ran into Christian, who beat him, which then crosses the doubt for Kenny. So it doesn't make Christian look totally like a filler opponent. And mm-hmm. so it looks like Christian has a chance at it because uh, he didn't get hit with the one winged angel. And Don Castle went, Oh, we can't wait to kick out your finisher. Christian hit his finisher, and Kenny didn't kick out of it. So. And then goes on doing that, and then yeah, like the Dark Order, while Hangman's we are starting to fall apart, he'll come back, get them back together, and then hopefully win the title. And obviously, real life obviously did get in the way of it, and I think yeah. they did do the best they could. Um, 
and, all, and I'm a big Impact fan. I don't know about you guys. I, I, Impact's become one of the companies over the last year I've really become invested in. And, you know, I, I like uh, kind of being a part of Impact and everything, but I always felt like, you know, they need to really make sure Impact gets something out of this because, and some people aren't, Impact fans aren't happy that Impact guy didn't beat Kenny for the belt, but I like to look at it as like Christian keeps selling me his history in Impact. So you've got Kenny, a guy who basically saw Impact as a place to win another title, and then you've got Christian, another EW guy, but has respect for Impact, has history with them. Brings the belt back, respectfully tires one of the belts, and then Christian is really good at putting other people over. It's one of the things that probably held him back is that he's too good at putting people over. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of fell into that role, and then he'll put over somebody else, and about whether it's Moose or Josh Alexander, somebody of that caliber. So I think it actually worked out quite well, and for all of this, it looks like Kenny's kind of done with his impact for now. But the one downside to this Christian one is it kind of did screw Andrade out because uh, he was meant to win the AAA belt, but Tony Khan didn't want Kenny losing twice in two days. Oh, no, Andrade shouldn't win. Uh, the next, no, no. I know I've already died, but the next person needs to be Hangman. I'm sorry, you can't have Kenny on this losing trigger and then Hangman just pick up the scraps. Just Andra- Andrade needs to go and have a good match because he phoned in that performance against Omega. I have to admit that I'm probably going to have a bit of a hot take here i actually think it's for the better of the story that hangman page lost and the reason why is i even wrote an article about it shameless plug time um (laughs) it the i for me the story about hangman page is not about losing to kenny omega it's the idea of failure Mm-hmm. and whether or not he can come to terms with it because that's what kept on happening he failed against Chris Jericho Mental he went down with well. yeah, he, he, lo- he lost his friends he lost the tag team title bouts etc and the story has always been about failing and coming to terms with it now losing that 5 on 5 elimination match where he could have had a chance to challenge for the title I feel was the decision that had to be made, because this is where hopefully Paige comes back. And what he's learned is that there's nothing wrong with failing, which is what has always been the thing that um, got to him the most. Like even when the Dark Order were trying to build him up for the match, like Colt Cabana specifically says to him, we don't think you're scared of Omega. We think you're scared of failing. And then then John Silver said, it's okay to fail. Exactly. And this is the situation where Hangman Page has failed. And when he comes back, the Dark Order hopefully will still have his back. And that will show him that unlike with the Elite, it's fine to fail because as all you have to because your friends will always be there. When he failed the last couple of times, failed to Chris Jericho and the young bucks didn't support him, didn't come out to uh, back him up like they used to do with Kenny Omega in New Japan. When he failed and lost the tag team titles, Kenny Omega walked away from him. And that's yeah. the thing. He's so used to being abandoned when he fails. And I and weird and it's actually when he comes back, he should hopefully have had it that he has come to term with having failed, and also it'll prove that his friends didn't abandon him, which would then give him the strength to go on, challenge Omega the second time. And this time, because he's not afraid of failing, he's no longer afraid of Omega and ends up winning the championship. Yeah, and when he kicks out a woman, Daniel, hot take again, I think it's going to rival the Punk Pop. Oh, 
I think you could be close. Yeah, I think because the whole that is it's like Scott Hall used to say that he he never used his finisher unless it was the finish. Every the, there's only one person who was kicked out of the one winged angel so far, which was Koto Ibushi, and that was like seven eight years ago, I think, and that was before the one winged angel got the recognition. The yeah, recognition, the aura. the aura, the expectation around it. So the first time someone kicks out of it, and a storyteller like Kenny Omega, I wouldn't be surprised, has been holding it off specifically for a moment like this. Oh, and yeah. I We're going ahead of ourselves, but yeah. yeah. Oh. It's going to be emotional. I will, I will say, though, I disagree with what one point being said. I do think it should have been a case of uh, Kenny loses all the belts until he just has the EW one left because the idea of the belt collector losing having only one belt left and you know as Hangman's starting to become more confident Kenny Omega's suddenly letting the doubt creep in as he's clinging on to this one belt that he has left like it's mine like Gollum and the, the one ring like it's mine the precious and like the idea of like Kenny Omega always looks he always thinks he's above everybody else no matter who he's in the ring with no matter which company it is he always thinks he is above everybody else. But then you've got Hangman, who's now got the Dark Order behind him. He's got his confidence back. And Kenny, with that little bit of doubt creeping in, he's in denial. But the idea that he could possibly lose his last title, I think it coming down to the EW belt is probably the, was probably the better idea. Uh, either, like honestly, to be, I, I, they built up. Either way, it's not like it's not like one is a bad story. Mm-hmm. It, like there, there's plenty of good options. So. You know, maybe they maybe they have, they have an idea that is better in their mind, and we just don't know it. But like that, that's what makes AW exciting. I actually think it was the right decision for Andrade not to win the title, and I'll tell you why. I feel that if Andrade had won the first time, you cut off a lot of story potential. But in absolute, in actuality, if you have it that the ending of their match at Triple Mania ended in a way that Andrade could actually ask for a rematch and be justified enough to. At which point, you could possibly have it, because Triple Mania isn't running many events at the moment, you could have the Triple H Mega Championship defended on an episode of AEW Dynamite or even AEW Rampage, make it the, make it the big match, build it up for several weeks, etc., and you have a match between Andrade and Kenny Omega. And this second match is where Andrade wins it and becomes champion. So now it's one all. And you end up going for the trilogy ender, which hopefully by that time would be close enough to next year's Triple Mania. So it becomes the huge big main event of Triple A's biggest event of the year. And you can have Kenny Omega versus Andrade. And I, for myself, I reckon the best type of match would be something like a, uh, a ladder match or something like that. Because you can remove the possibility of the one-winged angel being kicked out of again and gradually weakening it. And instead, what you end up with is a desperate Omega trying to claw back up that ladder at the top of the pinnacle, proving himself that he is still a world champion. But instead, he loses, and the final image ends up being Andrade up on that ladder, holding the title aloft, cementing himself as the new face of Triple A, whilst the beaten, defeated Omega is at the bottom of the ladder. Ric Flair on a pole match. 
<laughs> I I will gladly lose that match. So yeah, and then and then and then Andrade like holds Ric Flair as opposed to the title up like the Lion King. I, I just I, 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 probably a better analogy would be he holds them up like Macho Man and Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, like yeah, uh, Rick just red in the face, but yeah. Um, I don't want to see Rick. I mean, that's probably another topic that I'll just open up. But I just don't want to see Rick Flair anywhere near AEW. I agree. Press. I agree. I controversially, I've never been a big fan of Rick Flair. Like I, I started watching him in '98. So to be fair, by that point, he was slightly over the hill. Um, I was watching him every week for three years on WCW Nitro. I was never that impressed. I thought his promos were a bit over the top. I wasn't that impressed by him in WWE. I didn't like him in Evolution. In fact, the only thing I probably majorly enjoyed from him in the last 20 years is when him and Jay Lethal in TNA Wrestling <laughs> were, doing, uh, were doing impressions. And they're both like, that's my line. That's my line. That's my line. That's my line. <laughs> and that's why I could watch that promo so many times until I'm crying. And I love it. But Ric Flair as a personality or in the match, I don't think he would actually sue AEW because unfortunately I don't think he really is that good at sharing the spotlight. Whereas you notice all of the current legends involved in AEW are good at sharing the spotlight and putting over the younger talent. You don't get Jake the Snake Roberts with Lance, Lance Archer. You have Sting with Darby Allen. You have Arn Anderson with Cody Rhodes. You have Vicky Guerrero with Nyla Rose, etc. All of these young talents being placed with these relative legends like and that sort of thing. And the whole point is that they're putting over the younger talent. Even Chavo Guerrero with Andrade, that is the it's still Andrade that's being put over. But I feel that if Ric Flair came into AEW, he would be the center of attention, not the wrestler that is supposed to be. The and last that's just, one. And that's, just that, and that's the thing. It's like um, with all those legends that you've already mentioned, when you look at the younger talent that they're paired with, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I can't actually think of any young talent that pairing Ric Flair with is going to make sense and actually get that person over. And like you said, Ric Flair isn't really the type of guy that's going to, is really wanting to get other people over. It just seems like he's just, I'm Ric Flair and I'm here. You don't want the only reason the guy to come in and like manage Andrade is like, like you, you just, the only thing he could is just like, yeah, you're dating my daughter and that's just illogical and just pointless. Yeah, and I feel like that would lessen Andrade as well. It's like, oh, the only reason that, you know, you're here is because you're dating my daughter. It's like that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, Andrade can shine on his own with Chavo, but he doesn't need Ric Flair. And I'm in the same mindset as you. It's like, I, uh, Sam, I just don't see the appeal of Ric Flair anymore. It's like... I was there when I was like watching the whole Ric Flair retirement matches and things like that, and that was really kind of heartfelt and stuff. But then they totally ruined that with him going to Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't see his appeal anymore. It's like maybe you know twenty years ago there would have been an appeal of him, you know, still being able to kind of go in the ring and get people over, you know, potentially. But now I just don't. I don't even want to see him as a manager or anything. Like, if he had, like, maybe a role behind the scenes and didn't, you know, 
go up like front and center then potentially he might be able to like you know give advice or you know his, tips his, to his, the young guys his ego wouldn't allow that that's the sad thing yeah and that that's the thing it's why you know it's like your daughter is literally running like rampant in wwe and that was one thing i couldn't stand with charlotte is like she's literally getting all these title reigns oh. just because of her name recognition and it's like i don't think people really care that much i mean she is a good wrestler i just wish that she got all her achievements based on her actual body of work instead of her name yeah but anyway i think we just went on an anti-flair tangent but you know it's <laughs> Apologies. I mean, no yeah. Yeah, it's fine you know i know what you said about like sam said about not being a fan of Rick flair i mean some people might not like that but this is called rogue opinions for a reason uh so you know we'll be afraid to share what you think because I did really think, yeah, like, really think, even though the, the stories are all they get along well in real life and they're happy, like you said, like, he's dating Charlotte, like, it's not a good enough reason. I mean, Chavo and Andrade make a lot more sense because, you know, Andrade's still come, is coming along with his English because part of the reason he was paired with Selena in the first place is that he was struggling to cut promos in English because it wasn't his first language. But if, you, if they want to do a thing where he gets promos in Spanish and Chavo translates for him, that's fine. But, like, they two make a lot more sense, and that's the best thing about these. Like you said these manager wrestler pairings in EW, they all make sense. Like even Don Callis and K Omega have a history together, that makes sense. And mm. like they also got this random other guy who I can't remember, like they've ever named that's always in the background of Andrade's segments. So if they had that guy, Chavo, and Flair, it would just be a case of here's Andrade and his weird mix entourage that he has here. But part of the reason I really wanted to see. Andrade win the title. I was hoping that would mean that the match with Pac would be for the AAA title because we've seen uh, AAA belts defend up Avery's before, like the tag belts were famously swapped back and forth between the Bucks and Lucha Bros. And honestly, yeah, like Flair, his promos are far too incoherent nowadays, probably to do with his age, uh, to really be that interesting. Like you saw, as heartfelt as it was, his promo from NWA 73 that, that happened recently was just all over the place. I'll say it now, there's one person that, that he should have managed that would have made sense in the last decade, and it's 2016 to 2017 Bobby Roode. Because Bobby Roode, with, when he first debuted the Glorious team with the robes and everything, basically was, was Ric Flair with the way they presented him. So that pairing would have worked. Other than that, there's nothing else, nobody else that makes sense for him other than maybe Charlotte. Because like, we saw what happened when they tried to have him manage AJ Styles. Yeah, that's my worry, because someone like AJ Styles, especially, even though he wasn't great on the mic at the time, he didn't need to be, because he was good in the ring, but instead they tried to make him uh, mini flair. You know, it works when it's Charles Robinson in in 1998, but not in 2014 or whatever it was, in trying to put over a star by making him a... Ms. Dow, like was was becoming popular because he was making fun of the Miz, but you don't make AJ Styles Flair Dow or something like that, <laughs> trying to pretend to be Ric Flair because it doesn't suit. Bobby Wood, I have to say, is actually a hell of a damn shout. I'm pretty impressed by that one. But um I I I would really struggle to think of someone that I feel would be suitable enough for Ric Flair to be manager because even his interactions with Lacey Von Eric, for example, that was more creepy than anything. And it 
that's what I don't want is to get to the point that Ric Flair just becomes um, Rick, the new perv king uh, Flair. You know, I know jo- Jerry Lord has got a crown to take away, but it's just keep let him have these little moments where he appears every now and again, but don't make him an essential. Don't make him has to be a peer all the time, etc. Just don't do it. Let the only problem is, is that I think he's got like about five mal- uh, alimonies coming out of his ears. That's why he keeps on having to require all the money, but really try and keep him away. Cause yeah. do you mean Lacey Evans? You said Lacey. Lacey Evans, yeah. <laughs> he's probably he's probably not corrupt too, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but now yeah he, he he tried to get I think they were I think Vince, if, if it were up to Vince completely Lacey would have been impregnated by Rick but thank fuck they never fucking got that through this is the same man who wanted to do a angle where Stephanie was pregnant with his child and when she said no he said okay let, let's make it less weird let's have it be Shane <laughs> Well, when we're talking about yeah. weird McMahon incest storylines, I think we should definitely move on to a completely different subject here. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, we're talking about people that you guys weren't a fan of, like Sam, you said about Ric Flair. Let's talk about someone I'm definitely not a fan of. Cody Rhodes. And R- Rody Codes. Oh, man. <laughs> Codester. Uh, he got Marika. absolutely battered by Malachi Black in Malachi's first match on AEW. And then he battered Brock Anderson. Somehow, uh, Arn Anderson managed to catch the Black Mask, like when the Winter Soldier caught the shield in Captain America too. But then, unlike the Winter Soldier, Malachi just kicked him right in the balls afterwards to take him down. Sad day for America. Sad day for America. But, you know, am I the only one uh, who feels this sort of dread, that much like Brody Lee and Anthony Agogo before him, that eventually, when Cody's done making whatever crappy reality show he wants to make, is going to come back, the all-American conquering hero, and just beat Malachi Black. Oh, I hope not. Oh, man, I swear to God, I'm just, like, Cody for a while was was okay. Sorry, I was speaking to my mic when I'm dissing Cody. Um, he, was, he was okay. Uh, they they did this very well, but you do have that Dred Scott in the back of your mind. Like, the Malachi Blacks have been very good. Um... The I like the thought of Buddy Buddy Matthews coming in as his kind of kind of because uh, he's free now. Um, but in terms of Cody Rhodes, he's filming the Go Big Show. I really hope he comes back and just just like honestly, like if he just gets if he just gets squashed again and then goes into a new if he if he goes into an honestly if he goes into a feud where he's trying to get uh, a shot at, his shot at the world title back, I'd rather that than him bury. If he loses to Malachi Black and then has a storyline where like he regains his shot at the world title against maybe he'll see him or something, I wouldn't fucking I wouldn't complain about that. I just don't want him to come back and I really hope to- Tony Khan gets in his ear and just goes, "You do realize we have a really we have a star with Malachi Black, and if you if you beat him, you just like as much as a go- like as much as I push for a go like a go go was green and I, I I maybe my push is for him to." punch Cody in the stomach and win in two minutes was were a bit far fetched, not because he's anti vax, but um but I do really th- I did really think you have a thing in Cody where you have this aura around Cody where if someone beats him it means so much more. You have such a special tool with Cody where his name value and how how he's been built in AW, you can bring anyone into the company and make a star out of him if you just have him beat 
beating Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes losing does not mean shit to Cody Rhodes. And him getting his win back works in some stories, but in this story, it shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I wasn't a big fan of Cody when AEW started. I kind of, you know, started to get behind him journeys running as TNT champion because his open challenge made made for some really good matches. And so I kind of, you know, oh, you know, I don't, he's not my favorite, but you know, he's not. I don't hate him. And then Revolution onwards, that was a real tipping point for me when he went, oh, I'm in this ladder match, I am injured, but let me stand in the entranceway where when you go to White Shot, you can still see me. I'm definitely going to come back at some point. I'm not going to. Like, I'm not just going to go backstage and let you let you wonder, is he or isn't he? No, I'm definitely going to be here. I'm going to hit you over the head with it and all that crap. I mean, like, the fact that, you know, the guys that eat, people behind you have, like, Tony Khan and Omega and all these other people seem to be have, like, their finger on the pulse for the most part. And just Cody, by comparison, just seems to have no fucking clue. Because, like, in a media call, someone asked him about Tony Hill, goes, oh, I've played here for a long time, you know, I'm basically sick of, you know, I want to be a baby face. I don't have a heel bone in my body. Yeah. Really? Tell your fucking book in that, mate. You put you you put paper bags on people's heads. You do have a heel bone in your body. I have to admit that the situation with Cody Wells at, in the ladder match at Revolution was very frustrating for me and was one of the situations where I felt that Cody was actually more detrimental to the match <laughs> than he was putting it over. Um I I can understand having Cody Rhodes in the first year or two in that they were putting over um, a very um, a overall roster and brand. But now they've gotten to the point that they don't need Cody Rhodes as much. I'm not saying I want to I want to get rid of him completely, but I do feel that he's getting to that point where he has his he has a lot of irons in the fire, so to say, and I could easily see him disappearing for a year. This isn't me saying I want him to go away. This is me saying maybe it will help him in that he can go away for a bit and allow other people an opportunity to go over and get to the point where people start to actually miss what he was contributing. Cause at the moment, unfortunately he's a little too much. And then if he does come back, this is going to be probably a controversial decision. I would like to see him move into the tag team division, specifically not with someone like Dustin, but someone like Lee Johnson, a younger talent who can learn from Cody. And then what's happening is that they're the ones who are being put over why Cody is teaching them. In in fact, you could even have it. I'm still adamant about the fact that eventually in the next year or two, I think AEW is going to add a trios title. Mm-hmm. I think it suits them quite fantastically. And if they could have it, that Cody Rhodes and a proper tag team were the, were the first ever trios champion, for instance, and held it for a couple of months and gave it that legitimacy I feel that could work. Now, that's what he's really good at, giving a new title, that legitimacy. Chris Jericho beating him was being AEW world champion was one of the major things that helped put the title over. Being the first champion for the TNT title and defending it as regularly as he did made the TNT title interesting to watch and got people invested in it. And look at examples where Brody Lee did become 
a major badass by defeating Cody and could have gone on to do some amazing things. And it's, it's always going to be quite um, distressing to some degrees. Think of what potential we missed out on by the fact that Brody Lee passed away. But Darby Allen is another example where it, Cody does have this gold dust pun not intended that passes stardust. on stardust. Yeah. Yeah. Stardust that he passes on to these other wrestlers that they can use to cap catapult from there. But the last couple of, uh, views he's had with Anthony, Agogo, QT Marshall, etc. It's getting to the point that it's, it's time for him to take a break. And quite frankly, I think the AEW roster could survive without him and then oh, come yeah. back come back in a year by that point fans hopefully would have actually missed him again and remembered what it was he contributes and then have him be there as a main person to put over a new important title i.e a trios championship yeah i think uh uh, sorry to still uh but i think a heel cody and 2.0 be a long show i think those (laughs) i'm 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 really enjoying 2.0 i think they're brash arrogant annoying if you got Cody as his kind of like kiss my ring kind of character, him and 2.0 could work well. But um, I fully agree. I think Cody needs time off. Film is reality show that I will not watch unless I'm fucking forced to. And like, if, if I don't watch it, I, maybe, I, maybe I might just take the bullet for not watching it. But um, but yeah, no, go away. Film is go big show. Film is reality show. And make fans want him again, as Sam said, because absence make the heart go funner, mm-hmm. as, the, as the old saying goes. Look at John Cena. The thing with the, the trios title is that it's getting to a point in AEW where they've got so many groups they can't not to have one. They've got to just introduce it eventually. You look at how many factions or trios that they do have at the minute. Even recently, they, they got a new one with Daniel Garcia and 2.0. So, you know, they're going to have one eventually. The thing with Corey, you know, he did, he did the whole retirement thing. People complain about. You know, Hogan hanging around and giving Warrior the belt for sadly walking away at Mania 6 to get take the spotlight off of Like, Cody, Malachi Black just walks away after his win. Cody then takes up the last few minutes of that episode of Dynamite just to cry, like, maybe that's it for me. And slowly, we should like taking his boots off and lead them in the ring. I don't, and I don't believe for a second that, that Cody's not going to wrestle again. He's going to be back in a couple of months. I just hope it doesn't come at the expense of, of Malachi Black. And, uh, Sammy, yeah. what? What are your thoughts about uh, Malachi Black, how he's been presented since KAW? And are you as surprised as I am that he, I would have thought he'd been, he'd already have a match for for uh, for All Out, maybe against somebody who's a friend of Cody, like Dustin or someone like that. But are you surprised they've not found a role from him, for him at All Out? Yeah, very, because that uh, spinning kick he does is absolutely devastating, especially when he clocks him on the jaw with it. Uh, it just looks so. Oh, it just looks so powerful. So that's why I was kind of annoyed that Arn Anderson just kind of shoves it off. It's like, what are you doing? That's his finisher. You're trying, it's like, you need to build up to have it be as devastating as it looks. Die, old um, man. Sorry, that was a bit strong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just love seeing Malachi just destroy people. And that's what he needs to do because he looks amazing. His in ring ability is great. His, his character we haven't really seen much of it at the moment but it's that, got that mystery behind it and if it's anything like WWE but um, kind of ranked up to the max uh, I'm really excited to see what he does but they really need to push him as this 
like monster like not really a monster but it's just like unstoppable force that just like plows through all the jobbers uh and then give them like if cody does come back give him cody and then have cody like uh like lose to him clean and then boom that then he could easily either go for like the tnt belt or AEW uh championship at some point I think I think they should have a vignette where Malachi Black goes to the Nightmare Factory and just black masses fifteen people. Oh, that'd be amazing! Just like like Br- Bruce Lee against an entire school of people and just like watch out each and every one of them and just at the end of it, yeah. God, you're gonna give me give me shivers at the thought of that. That sounds oh. awesome. Oh man, I, I I I I'm a big mark for him, but Fuego del Sol sell of the black mass was my favorite so mm-hmm. far. He just looked like oh, he, yeah. he just looked like he died when he took it. Um, I, I think. Fact, go ahead. I was gonna say the fact that he came out, he was meant to be like the hero sticking up for Cody, and yet the crowd popped when he got hit with the black mask. Like they may feel sorry for him because he just got attacked like by with this heel, and yet as soon as he hit the black mask, and people saw the whole arena went ah. The, the power of social media, like that's why you go about based on like Sammy Guevara's log, which is amazing. But no, I think they they should do that. Go go to his thing. Go 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 to right to Cody's heart, which is the the nightmare the nightmare factory having black mass at everyone. Um, have QT Marshall be like, oh, that's quite funny, and then have him like beat up the factory or whatever. Have him just beat, and and then you can kind of once he just gets rid because he needs to do that quick. You need to have that in quick succession because you need to get him out of that kind of mid card fodder very very quickly, or else you risk him being like caught up and kind of dragged down by the weight that. Unfortunately, there is a lower mid card that where if you're down there, there's not as much interest. You need to move on. Maybe a Dustin, maybe a Dustin, like kind of not a dynamite main event, but maybe like a dynamite kind of just a dyn- like an important built up dynamite. Have like the road to explain why Dustin's gone after him because Dustin can talk. Dustin can talk. Dustin's promos are fantastic. I'll give him credit for that. I'm not the biggest fan of him personally, but I think he can talk about and and he, and if he just gets black masked out of his boots, and then you could have like just. Just, just have him do like you know, cut, cut his promos that we sometimes won't understand, but we'll get the general message behind them better than better than what he did before. Um, maybe even introduce a Buddy Matthews as his as his kind of as his ticket, like Buddy crediting um, Malachi with his like ticket to freedom or whatever. Like that, they'd book it better than I would, but I think they were a very good parent theater. You've got a lot of scope for it, but you need to kind of move him out of that lower mid-card very quickly, but you need to move him out with a purpose. And I think obliterating 15 people in the Nightmare Factory will be a great start. Yeah, I, I was really worried after they caught, uh, he caught the foot. They like, are they going to have Arn Anderson fight Malachi Black all out? And I'm just going to pause to maybe insert if they have announced they're all out. Oh, God, they have. Yeah. Oh, thank God they didn't. Depending <laughs> on what happens. This is why a moment like where he goes to the factory, beats up Brock Anderson in the bathroom, like when Undertaker attacked David Flair to get to Rick back in two thousand two, and just holds him up like, "That's your boy, that's your boy." There are uh, so probably a niche new gen- uh, a niche ruthless aggression era reference, but I liked it, so fuck you. Uh, but talking about not guys of Malachi Black coming in, lights of uh, Punk coming in, we got a couple more people to talk about who may be coming in, or well, one we kind of know is coming in, but people who are becoming AEW because. We talked uh, before about you know the many people that have been saying on the on the NXT and SummerSlam review, but you know all the talk is that you know Adam Cole baby is a free agent and he can basically he's not he can field offers from anybody, so 
You could have shown up tonight on Dynamite, or you could show up on Rampage, or even show up all out if you mm. wanted to. But mm. also, uh, the word is that originally they were going to have a show. There's the show planned for the Authorized Stadium uh, at the end of September for Dynamite, where Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson was going to debut. But now all the talk is that he's that his debut has been moved forward, and he could appear as early as All Out in Chicago. How they fit Daniel Bryan coming out uh, all out is I don't know, maybe they'll find a place to slot him in just randomly come out, hope it's not like when Mark Cameron randomly got revealed when uh, Tracy Foy went to him and went and please welcome the newest commentator Mark Henry. I think I think, I think it's the main event, according, like Tony's been kind of saying I like the main event and now I really like it, which leads me to believe that he might come out afterwards it's, it's, all, it's, it's all Cassidy Haynes, let's give credit where credit is due, we're not well, no, Cassidy Haynes has been reporting that like the because of COVID uh, it was going to be Arthur Ashe, which would have been insane. The stadium looks insane for wrestling, by the way. don't know if anyone's kind of looked at it in terms of wrestling. But COVID seems to be gone rampant again in America, and they kind of want to have having Brian come out in front of a full crowd is what he deserves and what's best. Yeah, yeah, they have uh, they've been putting like mask mandates and all that thing that they had that one at SummerSlam and like this venue in New York, especially. They've said that you had to have like proof of like vaccination. As yes. well. yeah, yeah, and that's. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and someone was like, oh, Jericho's wife's not going to be able to go to the show. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's obviously very exciting. And also there was the talk, like, that, that, uh, was it Bray Wyatt in the crew at Rampage, or was just a regular large man with blonde dreadlocks? Oh, Bray Wyatt doesn't <laughs> want to look. Could have been anybody, but you got Bray Wyatt, uh, Bray Wyatt, Adam Cole, Daniels are coming in, just like, it's like you said, being like, this is... I think this lower mid card is starting to grow the more people they bring in. Yeah, um, I have a pitch. To, uh, speaking of lower mid card and Brian Danielson, I have a pitch. Uh, it's not new news. I'm not going to say I came up with it. I've heard it and I very much like it. I think Daniel. I think Brian Danielson should be a heel. I thought his best work in Ring of Honor from what I've watched is him as a heel. And I think him, Wheeler Utah, um, uh, Danny Garcia and bring in Lee Moriarty and have them as a big and I think submission wrestlers are, are best as heels and I think them in a big faction full of people who will break your leg and snap it in half and fucking wheel it around the place would be fucking amazing because it's something that AEW hasn't really you haven't really the one thing that they the one ingredient they haven't sprinkled in is a lot of technical wrestling I think introducing some ring of some like um, British rules or whatever you want to call it pure rules matches having Brian Danielson just obliterate people with a Bring, bring back the cattle mutilation. Um, I think he will be using Flight of the Valkyries because I've heard it's it's not um, copyrighted, but uh, I was listening to the Grapple podcast and um, Final, uh, Final Countdown would be very expensive, but a faction full of absolute submission killers would be fucking amazing. And they could even have a female inclusion with uh, legit Layla Hirsch. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm all over that. I just think that's something that is fresh. It's new. It's Brian as a heel, which I, which if you go back and watch Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness from um, Unified in Liverpool, or Brian Anderson versus Morishima, and tell me you do not want to see him as just a submission heel killer with a couple of young lads. And it's if you put them with Daniel Bryan, you just you put them with them, you elevate them another three notches, and I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. I, I like, I really like Layla Hurst. The more I watch of her, and I, I feel slightly bad that when the first time I saw her, and I meant I said on a podcast, that she looks like if you left Ronda Rousey in the washing for too long. <laughs> uh, it's still funny to me, but uh, <laughs> but she'd she'd kill me, and 
But, you know, I I really want to see Brian come out to Final Countdown. I know, like you said, it'd be expensive, probably more so than Call of Personality was, but, you know, Tony got that, and go on, one big toy, get your hand in your pocket, you've got the dodge, come on. Oh, imagine a show where you had, like, Final Countdown, Call of Personality, Wild Thing, the one that Orange Cassia, you can probably, I'm very uncultured, the, the name, and... Uh, um, where is my name? Ba- I think it's called. Yeah, and Baltimore. It's just Tony being, like... My dick is bigger than yours, Vince. <laughs> I mean, it's a hundred percent true, but um, yeah. I just, I to some degrees, why I love the idea of um, Brian Danielson being a heel. I feel that AEW has proven that they're not going to go against the wishes of the fans, and I don't think that fans now are going to want to boo um, Brian Danielson. I know that he could probably turn heel enough that he could convince them but that's a wwe move and i don't want to get down the line even you could do it as a babyface faction like honestly just either way i think daniel bryan elevating there's a lot of young tech i think that that basically what i said aw are missing kind of a a really cool element would be like a technical wrestler open challenge uh, Sammy, what 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 would you what would you say to kind of like a more uh, like a, a te- are you a fan of technical wrestling or what would you would you be a fan of Daniel Bryan bringing like these these young lads? I don't know if you watch much of Moriarty or do you've seen Danny Garcia, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, uh, I quite like technical wrestling, uh, especially if it's two people that know each other really well and they can put on like a masterclass in technical wrestling. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like uh, when I think about AEW, they've pretty much got their high flyers down. They've got their big muscly guys down. Um, so yeah, it would be good to see more of the technical uh, side of that. And Daniel Bryan is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, um, probably of all time. Uh, just like he knows so many submission moves, and they can look brutal. So yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I think Helico isn't one name that's probably licking his lips because as much mm-hmm. as it's it's an it's an unre- it's a it's a it's it's very very public that people think of him as a high flyer, but He's mainly a technical wrestler. I think the Forbidden Door just wants Zack Sabre Jr. to walk through there and fucking come to Daniel Bryan. Oh, uh, if, if Zack Sabre yeah. Jr. walks through, I'm just gonna, I'm literally gonna pick my wallet up, throw it at the TV, and say, "Take it, take it all." Th- don't throw it at the TV because then you won't be able to watch. But just throw the money, not the wallet. You know. Okay. We know rogue opinion. Well. We, we know it's heavy wallet. Well, it don't you saying you won't be able to watch? How heavy do you think? Uh, Sam's wallet is that's going to break his, t- his TV. Rogue yeah. Opinions have paid a heavy price to get Sam up from what I can hear. So, you really? know. News to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, news it, news it, to it, fucking it, me it, as well, mate. Where's this come from? In the words of Taz in that promo, which is one of my favourite promo exchange with Christian, um, if I stand on my wallet, I'm taller than you. Um, but yeah. I mean, Nathan claims his penis, but he's, he's holding on to the money, and it's like Father Ted, that money's just resting in my account. <laughs> and, well, like, I'm really looking forward to seeing Diver, like, and Helico, like you said, is a really good technical wrestler, and all the people know that. I once saw him on an ICW show, and one of my favourite technical wrestling matches I've seen live, can't talk about who his opponent was, I'm pretty sure he got cancelled not too long ago, <laughs> so can't talk about that. Uh, but, but, but I think you... Could, 
Yeah, you yeah. must lean into that technical side. I know he's had, like, WWE never did it and they fucking missed the ball completely. But if you want to bring something fresh and new and remind people of Brian Danielson, because we're talking about Brian Danielson and not Daniel Bryan, that's a very important point. I, I, I just see no, a no brainer in him coming in and snapping arms and breaking necks. We saw doing that song promo. They're still, they're still doing the yes, Jen. I don't think he'll be able to do it, but I don't think there's. I still think for at least a few months in his AEW run, the fans are still going to keep the yes thing going because that's so now linked with him. It's it's like the what with mm-hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's so synonymous with him. Or when, like you say, and the millions anytime the Rock is speaking. Um, something I would love to see, and this is this is going to sound uh, probably a little bit random, but I would love to see it. If the TNT Championship started becoming slightly similar to the Proteus Championship for Progress Wrestling, mm. where whoever holds it can create their own rules. And then I just imagine Brian Danielson winning the TNT Championship and having it that his matches are like submission only or technical bouts or um, British wrestling with rounds and that sort of thing. And creating that extra bit of difference on every episode of dynamite or rampage in that in order to challenge for the tnt championship you also have to display that you could be a technical wrestler so you yeah. have not and just then, yeah. one match but about two or three possibly which offers a variety to what you're currently seeing yeah and then you have someone like as i was saying garcia moriarty or you have someone win that belt and then obviously sudden you make a mega start overnight someone pops daniel bryan out after that run, and then Daniel Bryan can obviously move on to whatever else dream matches we want. But yeah, no, I'm just so so excited. But let's talk about the other two for a second. Then uh, Adam Cole and Bray Wyatt, because I've heard with Bray Wyatt Impact really want him as well. And you know, we know about cinematic matches over the last year. I really think Wyatt is suited to Impact more because they have that taped you know schedule. And they've got actually with cinematic style, like we're presenting things. So I think he's better suited to them. I think wherever he does might clash too much with you know, other games that have got in AW, kind of like Malachi Black in a way. But Adam I think Cole, him, I, th- I think like, him and Stra- I think Wyatt and Strowman are going to be going hand in hand. Strowman only follows Wyndham Rotunda on Twitter. So uh, as far as I, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't be interested in seeing Bray Wyatt as as bit as, as bad as that sounds. I wouldn't be interested in seeing him in the AW. I just don't think he fits. Mm-hmm. Whereas Adam Cole, I think, could just walk into wherever he wants in AW. But I think he is—he's a good feud for Kenny. I think post uh, him losing the title, I'm not saying you shouldn't debut him until before then, but you should debut him, establish, re-establish the link between him and the Elite, but don't kick off an actual feud between him and them until after Kenny's kind of lost the belt. Yeah. Can I? Can I ask? Can I ask you guys? What word is synonymous with Adam Cole and also kind of synonymous with AEW? Because this is this is my pitch for Adam Cole's Boom. debut. Boom! Exactly. It's not. It's, it's another thing that I've heard and I very very much like. I think you should have dynamite star, and when that word boom hits, you cut it off. Adam Cole is standing there, and he fucking goes off on the mic and calls out Omega. Oh, that'd, that'd be. I mean. So, I, mean, you, you, I, I think everybody would shit their pants, but like, yeah. I remember when he wrestled in Japan, his old theme used to be his, the words is Adam Cole, baby, yell loudly three times, and then the fourth time goes, 
Adam Cole, and enter the music because it suited his obnoxious character just shouting his own name. And I kind of like that to be his, his music. But, you know, Liam, they've already teased it. You know, Bert Baker was hitting his moves on NXT, uh, on Rampage, and he hit the lockjaw on TakeOver. So, you know, the signs are, are all pointing. I am kind of expecting to some degrees that what possibly two things may happen at AEW All Out, which is that I could see Adam Cole inter- interfering in the main event to knock out Christian Cage so that Kenny Omega can win because he is a former member of the elite and he has that obnoxious nature that you can easily imagine him becoming a part of the elite and then later on superseding Kenny Omega and taking over the elite, uh, which will allow Omega to turn face like maybe months down the line. But I feel like afterwards, after the elite are celebrating um, after defeating Christian, that that's when Brian Danielson will come out. So you have like two huge debuts very quickly. I know it's very unlikely, but I can almost see it in my mind's eye that just when you think you've had your your major shock, you have another shock. A bit like when Brody Lee and Matt Hardy debuted on the exact same episode of Dynamite. Because one happened, you didn't expect the next one. Do you want the adrenaline rush to keep us up till 8am, Scott? Oh, sorry, Sam. I'm going to be pissed and like really, really tired by the time this main event rolls around. And those two happen, I'm just going to be sitting there at 9am shaking as the hangover kicks in. It's like... <laughs> How the fuck did two people just debut? I, I, I basically <laughs> want you to message me saying Sam's prediction came right and it's going to fucking kill me. Yeah, this, <laughs> tu- yeah, this Tuesday morning is this Monday morning is worse than you do. <laughs> oh, that's, something, that's something I want to say here. What the fuck happened to pay-per-view wise here? Because it used to be WWE pay-per-views on a Sunday, NXT on a Saturday, and AEW pay-per-views on a Saturday. Now it's WWE pay-per-views on a Saturday and AEW and on a Sunday, and I don't like it. We love our UK. Tony fucking owns Fulham Football Club. He, he knows the UK fan. Uh, uh, did you hear that he recently came out saying supposedly he wants um, Craven Cottage to yeah. become AEW's UK site? Uh, do you know what? It's the only time in my life I've ever been interested in going to Fulham. Um... Uh, uh, Mitrovic versus John Moxley and Darby Allen doing a coffin drop off the cottage. What I'd love to see is, I think, whatever main, whatever show they do in Craven Cottage, you've got to have it that the main event features Pack battling for the AEW World Championship, and then imagine if Pack won. Oh, chaos at the cottage! <laughs> what the fuck is Craven Cottage? What's a Craven Cottage? It's an old wooden ship built in the sub- during the Civil War era, Scott. Uh, I don't know why EW would be interested in an old wooden ship, but we'll move on. Uh, we've been here quite a while, but I wanted to finish it off by getting you guys' kind of predictions for uh, All Out on <laughs> Sunday. And also, people should let you know that we are going to be doing a review uh, for All Out uh I'm going to try and get the same panel back if you guys are interested in doing that. I'm sure you are. Uh, also, you're going to have two different reviews. You're going to have our review of people who are very much invested in the product 
and then you're going to add the last view when uh, Nathan and Jimmy drunkenly do their review sometime later. You can make your mind. Which review did you prefer? But we got the buy-in match of the Women's Casino Battle Royale. We have a you have eight combatants still to be announced, but we have so far Kira Hogan, Jade Cargill, Emi Sakura, Hikaru Shida, Red Velvet, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Ty Conte, Julia Hart, Big Swole, The Bunny, Thunder Rosa, and Nyla Rose. So, you know, when this gets a future for a match, also we've seen the Casino Barrel before we had one, the men's went double or nothing. Uh, I'm just going to say that I don't know what you guys feel. I'm kind of over the gimmick of the Casino Battle Royal. I kind of wish they went back to what they did Double Nothing 2020, when they had the Casino Ladder match and did a female version of that. Because, like, one major criticism has been, like, especially early on with the women's division and the booking of it, and it's not perfect, but it's getting better. But I'd rather they get, like, nine or so women who have all had proper TV time and actually are established and get them together rather than just throwing a bunch of people in a battle royal. So, like, Nyla... Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford, uh, the Bunny, people like that, Red Velvet, even who's had a title, she's the former champion, even throw Jamie Hayter in there and try and you know, have her as win it and then basically lay down for Bert Baker so he gets the title shot, kind of to try and spoil it for everybody else. But I think that idea is, uh, I don't know what you guys think, is as a thing like with, with the idea of having matches. But you can have men's rights and women's rights of and just like play off as, as if it's normal because that's how you get true quality. Like, like because like you had that unsanctioned match, that lights out match between Burt Baker and Thunder Rosa, and people were wondering about that. So I don't think people would be against a women's casino ladder match. Uh, I'll let Sammy go because we've been talking. Me, me, and Sam have been taking way too much time. But um, <laughs> um, I think the I think maybe Thunder Rosa might win the match uh, but I would prefer it being a ladder match because I, I like gimmick matches <laughs> uh, I just think the, the wrestlers can just be so much more creative with what they can do when they've got props um, mm. uh, but yeah I, I think I think because uh, of the history that Britt Baker has with Thunder Rosa I think that they might be leading to something like that but I could definitely see is it Jamie Hager uh, I can yeah, yeah. Hater. Uh, yeah, as uh, I could definitely see her winning it, and then you know maybe because she's friends with Brit, maybe kind of uh, do some kind of shady stuff where she kind of like lays down for her in some kind of way. Because I can't imagine with the friendship that they're kind like building that she would turn on her so quickly. Um, and I can't imagine. Like I don't know with her with the kind of character she has, I can't imagine her going face anytime soon. I can actually see Brit going face. Yeah, before, she, I, I think she she's a, I think she's already a face to be honest. I think Brit I think they've mm. they've been a victim of her own fame. Um which yeah. isn't a pro which isn't a problem. Like she's over as all like and it's great because they have lightning and bottle with her. Um, yeah, I feel ahead. with um AEW that a lot of the times it's like with a lot of the wrestlers, it's kind of like muddied the waters a wee bit because, like, with Moxley, he's beloved by like everyone, but his tactics can be quite heelish sometimes. Uh, the same with Britt Baker, like, she's beloved by the fans, but her tactics can be heelish. Uh, so I think that with AEW, like, 
there's very few that are straight up heels and straight up baby faces I think mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I think they're a victim of their own like kind of popularity where it's like we mm-hmm. love them and we lo- and like when you build them from the ground it was very hard to make you hate them but like mm-hmm. that's that, that's their job to do that um, I agree with the Thunderosa pick I was going through my picks and I was thinking Jade Cargill would be a great show she's gonna she's probably gonna eliminate a lot of people but I don't think it's the right time because I don't think Britt Baker is going to drop the belt and you don't want Jade Cargill losing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, I still haven't seen what she's like in the ring because she has a lot of squash matches, but they clearly are very high on her and the whole Mark Sterling thing. It's interesting. Uh, the Joker is an obvious one for me, Ruby Soho. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. how we haven't spoken about her as the debut. Her vignettes have been fantastic. Uh, the air guitar in the middle of the street, and then getting the. I very much enjoy them. I think her. I think she's gonna have a banger of an entrance song as well, judging by her vignettes. Um, and mm-hmm. a really cool character. Usually, the the Joker doesn't win because you don't want a Joker unless they're winning. You don't want a Joker to kind of win and then kind of lose to the champ. I think she'll come in. She'll be the Joker. She'll have a good showing. Maybe get eliminated by Jake Cargill. Um, I really like the idea of Thunder Rosa, um, but I heard I hate to be like base this off my basis off my prediction, but apparently they're they're saving Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa till twenty twenty two. Um, I don't know where I read that, but apparently that's the direction they're going in. So that kind of mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of stumped me myself uh, as to where they could go, and I kind of agree with the Jamie Hader pick in terms of kind of lying down and stuff. And um, I think maybe Re- Rebel or Reba or whatever you want to. I mean, Rebel, not Reba, uh, could kind of help her out. I think she could be a cool kind of kind of comedy route. Yeah, I have to have a little bit of everything. I think she could be, like, her in there with the crutch could be quite inter- uh, entertaining. Um, so it's between them two. I think I'm just going to go Jamie Hayter purely. I hate to bait it off kind of a dirty report because, you know, you want to keep, you, you want to, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't see Jake Cargill being pushed to the title picture this early, so I'm going to go Jamie Hayter. But I'm interested to see what... Preston's take is in this. So, um, I've uh, been thinking of the fact that there's about eight women yet to be uh, determined. And I do think that Ruby Soho is likely to be the Joker. But I don't think she'll be the only surprise. I'm half expecting for possibly Chelsea Green to appear, having recently one um, uh, NWA Empower and also challenge for the NWA Women's Title. I don't, um, I don't know whether she would win or not, but I do feel that as a free agent, Chelsea Green is in a good position at the moment, and they may want to take advantage of that. And also, I was wondering whether it was round about now we might actually see the return of Anna J. Oh yes, 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 yes. I very much enjoy this. Now. Not- Anna J and the story, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I feel there is a potential of at least three feuds that could come out of this match. If what I suggested was to happen, one, I don't feel that Ruby Soho will win, but I could see her coming out of it with a feud with possibly Nyla Rose. Or maybe maybe a Jamie Hayter kind of. Possibly See, seeing her as a threat and kind of taking her out of the picture because Ruby Soho versus Jamie Hayter is something I'd like to see. I would love to see it, but my only thing is is that I feel that Ruby Soho would need to win her first feud, yeah. and Nyla Rose can take the loss, whereas um, someone like Jade Cargill or Jamie Hayter could not. And I feel that 
Jade Cargill could come out of it in a feud with Thunder Rosa. And I would love to see those two face each other. And finally, I feel there's a distinct possibility that the winner could either be Chelsea Green or Anna Jay. And that means that there's a relative, there's a face coming back to battle what is currently still a heel in Dr. Britt Baker. And then Britt Baker can still win and continue on the storyline so that eventually it'll be her versus Thunder Rosa, who feels perfectly placed to become the next champion. Yeah, I, I read the same thing that Rian did about I'm holding off on this feud. I think that kind of does mean that maybe Rosa is going to be the, the one who won the belt from Robert Baker, which I wouldn't be against. So she's not going to win this. I think they might go kind of a safer route and have Hikaru Shida win it as the former champion, get a rematch. It's going to hold off until you know, they're ready for the Thunder Rosa thing to begin. I do think Ruby Soho is a great shout for the Joker because more often than not, the Joker isn't who you expect in these, in these battle royals, but they often rises. And it also would fit because I think uh, Ruby's last match for WWE was at WrestleMania in that gauntlet and she came out dressed as the Joker. So I think that would actually be a nice bit of symmetry there. Something I actually want to see because I've teased it before and uh, with regards to the Forbidden Door is that I want to see either in the Battle Royal or maybe just to come out after the women's title match to confront Baker. I want to see Diana Perrazzo show up because she's my, 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 my favourite women's wrestler at the minute. She's going around, she's winning matches in power, she's winning the AAA women's title and they've been teasing matches between a match between her and Burt Baker for quite a while and I really want to see it happen. The only issue with that is, well, I feel there's two issues. One, they're both heels, and two, I don't think either of them could afford to lose at the moment. I mean, yeah. you, you try telling yeah. the AEW fans that Britt Baker's a heel. I mean, she had a promo a while back saying, oh, the fans are jealous of me, they're against me. And then when she went into her DMD, you could literally hear the fans joining in on her, which just went against everything she said. So Yeah, they should I never have gone to Pittsburgh. Well, they should have, but they should never have gone to Pittsburgh if they wanted her to be a heel. Fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah. or, they, or they should have gone to Pittsburgh and not have her show up <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd yeah. be such a heelish antics or just, or, like, or, or, or just have her Britt Baker fuck right off <laughs> she, speaking of Britt Baker are we all in agreement she's retaining the title yeah oh yeah yeah like, Sorry, I, 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 really, I, I really like Chris Statlander but I I'm kind of over these women's feuds without a bit without a heat without the heat. Um, Bert Baker deserved like Chris Stanley is a fantastic wrestler and she's a really really cool character and like um, I do enjoy her choking at Willow Utah on a regular basis on being the elite now. Um, but um, we need some heat because it's a great women's division. They're starting to finally get that right. Put a bit of heat behind it and we'll have a bit of bit of more of a discussion over predictions next time hopefully mm. hopefully yeah uh, moving on with the card a match that John Mossley probably wanted to have because they wanted him on the card and he said they asked him who do you want to face I want to face Toshi Kojima who yeah, is excellent and you you guys should check him out if you don't know him already he's amazing and even at 50 approaching 50 he will still knock your head off he's a founding member of Bread Club Look it up. And uh, I, I've seen him live. He's very, very good. I think this, I really like the whole like Moxley faxing over papers. There's a voice mm-hmm. break. First one of the 
fuck podcast, love it. Um, well, now Moxie faxing over the papers and like obviously the there was politics that mean that we don't have Tanahashi, but. I mean, two lads, two 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 grizzly lads beating the shit out of each other. It's kind of I, I really like when there's a little bit of realism in wrestling and um, Moxley saying he's going to knock someone's head off and kill them. Very much, very much excited. I said a similar thing on a SmackDown review recently. Sometimes you want a long storyline paid off. Sometimes you want great technical wrestling or a spot fest. And sometimes mm-hmm. you want to just see two guys just beat the fuck out of each other. And I yep. think that's what we're going to get here. <laughs> The only thing I'm gutted about is that I feel that Tomohiro um, Ishii would have been a better choice. And I would love to have seen the Stone Pit Bowl take on the Lunatic Fringe and just watch the two of them. Lunatic Fringe, come on. (laughs) Just a hard hard bastard, John Mockley. The the man... Man's not coming out on a unicycle backwards like Vince wants him. No, but I would love to and, see and plus, the two of them beat the crap out of each other. And plus, can you really call him that? He's not even got a fringe anymore. The, li- <laughs> the lunatic <laughs> receding <laughs> all <laughs> night. <laughs> thinks, oh. uh, no, nobody thinks that Mossley's losing this, do they? No. Nah. No, yeah. it, it, it'll be 12. I, I think they should open the show because I think when him and Nagata open Dynamite, give me 12 minutes of them beating the ever-living piss out of each other. And I'll sit there very, very happily drinking a beer, watching, uh, knowing that Moxley has probably had a shot of whiskey already, and uh, and uh, Kojima is um, eating some lovely lovely bread. Like, we, we gave him a batch of Brennan's bread when he came out of Ireland for OTT. Um, <laughs> um, and, no, it's, 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 it's good, but it's kind of like, in the back of your mind, this should have been Tanahashi, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh Speaking of guys beating the fuck out of each other, I'm sure this is what it's going to be. The TNT title match, Muro taking on Eddie Kingston. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I love Muro as a... Sammy, I, I love Muro as the TNT champion since he won the belt, even though he's not defending it as often. But he's played off as that people are scared of him and now he's calling people out. And I don't think there are a few, there are many matches uh, I'd like to see him in more than this match with Eddie Kingston. Same. I, I also love Miro. Uh, after hearing that WWE said about never happy Rusev Day, they was like, oh, that's the fans just fucking with you. It's like, see, after hearing that, you're just like, come on. Because uh, I think the fans also adore Miro. And I think it's going to be a really good match. But I think Miro's going to win at the end of the day. I, I completely agree. I love them both. But I think... Uh, something I heard that I really really agree with I'd love to hear a good four or five weeks of promos between these two because they're, they'd just be amazing I think this is the start of the feud and I think this is the start of a feud that culminates with I, I, I part of me is, I, I, as I say part of me really wants Eddie to win an Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York in his backyard but like part of me feels like Miro's just getting off the ground um, I think this is a feud you can keep going. Um, I think Miro will win, but I don't think this is the end of the feud. I think this is something that he can sink his teeth into. Although a lot of stuff that Eddie has done has been very, very good, and I've been very, very entertained by it. Finally, some that he has his uh, first thing since Mox, which is, by the way, one of my... F- him and Mox and Eddie, that segment on Dynamite is still one of my favourite ever, and it'd be very hard to top it. I think some of them promos like that. Um, 
um, like Eddie just screaming, I don't give a fuck about your sexy wife. I just want to beat the shit out of you or something, something <laughs> along those lines. Um, I just think these two are just two hard bastards that are going to beat the shit out of each other. And I really hope it's not the end. And I don't think you need to do a screwy finish. I think you just, you just need to have Eddie push Miro to the limit and Miro knew he was in a fight. And you have to have that kind of, it's one of them where like Eddie almost wins and you see the first crack of Miro maybe being beatable. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get similar to like he was very reluctant to quit in that match with Moxley, even when the barbed wire was put around his throat, he was almost reluctant to say I quit. And I want to see a similar finish to that where he doesn't really tap out to the, the game over formula known as the accolade. He, I want to see him kind of just put his hand out, he reaches those and just kind of just pass out his arm, just goes limp. And he just passed it there. I think that would be a really good finish. I agree mm-hmm. with you. I really like both these guys, but I really think that I think that Miro's pushes to get off the ground finally with the TNT title. I like, I like the way he redesigned it with the white strap because I'm a sucker for a white strap on a wrestling belt because uh, it always goes well with the gold. And, you know, I like the fact that the TNT belt is basically a belt that's defended the more regularly than the other belts, kind of their TV belt. That's kind of its niche, and I want to see Miro have more defenses you know, cross rampage and dynamite and basically him calling people out as opposed to like people kind of coming up to him like they have with previous champions. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be a great match. It's, I, think it'll, I think this will be right in the middle of the card. I think this will be like a slap bang in the middle of the card before um, what I think should be the breather match, which we'll all get on to. I'm pretty sure we all know which one I'm talking about. But uh, oh. yeah. Well, uh, I think, uh, Preston, you think you're in agreement that Miro's going to win? I think he'll win, yeah. I think um, at the moment, he is doing too good a job to take the title off him. Um, It's just working so well, and he is a fantastic uh, TNT champion. One of the elements I love about the TNT championship, you mentioned about the fact they change the color of the belt it feels like every time that a new champion is has it the title changes slightly just enough to represent them so obviously cody had it originally when it wasn't completed uh brody lee took it and sort of like broke that and then had the new one cody took on that afterwards as his second option then you had darby having a different style of it which had a black leather strap and now you have Miro with the white one what i'm what i'm hoping to see is i do feel this can't be the end i feel that there is a future feud that could continue with this one and the history that Eddie Kingston has with the TNC championship. He, it, it probably should matter to him almost more than the AEW world championship because the TNC championship is the reason why he's in AEW. It is a synonymous part of his AEW career. And I do feel that if anyone is believably tough enough to beat Miro, it could be Eddie Kingston, but not yet, which is why I would love to see it if there's a point where Eddie Kingston is in control and he knocks out Miro on the outside of the ring and Miro only just gets in before the 10 count. And then Eddie, similar to what you guys were saying, doesn't tap out. 
and then Eddie has enough grounds that he could turn on and say that he was able to knock Miro down and keep Miro down, but Miro couldn't make Eddie quit. And I feel that could build up to a huge, big dynamite or rampage event where I would love to see them do a last man standing match. Oh, in Arthur, in Arthur, I, I just think Eddie in, in his backyard in New York, I just think it, it suits to per- when the New York show was announced, I think everyone collectively said Eddie and Santana Ortiz. Yeah. Just literally just said that. And I think you need you need that. Whether like where the passing of the get the the elite needs to use their belt soon. I think the, the show ending with Eddie and Santana Ortiz on this on the on the uh on the on Conan on the stage with the belts would be really, really cool. I don't think it'll happen, but we can fancy book. I just think it's too perfect. I could see Eddie winning in New York because I feel like the um, it'll be too soon for um, Santana and Ortiz. But what I like about the idea of uh, Eddie winning it in a last man standing match is that it's actually a way you could keep Miro relatively strong because I don't know if you guys remember examples where, for instance, like, Batista had his legs wrapped around a um, a yes yeah against Cena yeah so he couldn't actually stand up or you have an example where Eric Rowan was buried and Kane were buried underneath like tables and barrels and that sort of thing so they couldn't get back up so technically they're still kept strong and look practically invincible but it shows a smart hero gaining the victory and I feel like Eddie Kingston would be good enough to do it. So I do feel Miro will win this match, but I feel it's going to be done in a way that will allow them to have a rematch and a rematch such as a last man standing match could be perfectly placed to allow Miro to still look strong enough that he could then go on to challenge for other titles, but also put Eddie Kingston over because by that point, I feel he's earned the right to have his moment in the spotlight because he has become an integral part of the locker room. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do really would like to see another match we do with some sort of stipulation, like Balkan anywhere or Last Man Standing, something like that. But I think we can agree that, he, that Miro's going to win. And not about the most pointless match. I think I know the match we're talking about. I'm going to go into that now, where we talk about receding hairlines, uh, where we have the leader of the most pointless faction in wrestling today taking on the returning, well, it's Paul White. And Paul White's first match in over a year, I think, as he had a match during the kind of the performance center era. WWE hasn't really wrestled. WrestleMania since. after just out of nowhere came out after the WrestleMania main event <laughs> challenge yeah. for the belt because uh, he can. So stupid. And uh, so Paul White's having a match against QT Marshall. He's probably going to just kill him, which I'm I'm happy for because I can't stand QT Marshall. I don't see the point Marshall. of him. Comes out wearing fucking two and a half men Charlie Harper bowling shirts every week and does not look like a hard man at all like if he gave that Nick what's his name Comrade M versus Paul White I'd be more interested in but I think it's a case all three of them get fed to all three of them get fed to Paul White Paul White wins uh, being probably put in the middle of the card I don't think I could really give less of a fuck yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of um, it's to have honestly the sh- 
as I was alluding to earlier, I'm going to get my dig in right now. Right after CM Punk, when you have hard, when you have Laps fans watching, having the factory versus the fucking gun club was the worst decision I've ever seen AEW do. Um, and having Paul White interfere in that, I just want this match to get... I, I will be on the toilet when this happens. I was trying to think where I would be, but I will be on the toilet when this match happens. Um, thank you very much. Sorry, Paul White, but no. <laughs> No, this should not be on a pay-per-view when Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. I get you need a breather. But when but when that's in the last bit, no, it's not for me. Chris uh, and Sammy, are you either of you really that interested in this? I'm not really interested at all. Um, I mean, it's good to see uh, uh, Paul Wright back, uh, but I don't want to see him in a wrestling ring. Uh, it's like, come on! You just got your hips replaced. Come on, don't don't need to do any any wrestling. Uh, but I honestly want this to be a squash match that's over quicker than Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. So <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. For me, dream wise, I kind of I think there's a nice opportunity for Paul White to get um, a nice paycheck coming out for a big match. I do like the fact that he was defending Tony Schiavone. It was a really well done moment that I that I feel I I could get into. What annoys me slightly is that somehow this is on the main card and the Casino Battle Royale is not. Mm-hmm. Um, a breather, maybe. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a breather in terms of the bell is going to win. You're going to go. And it's over because basically Paul White should just have it. He goes straight up to QT Marshall as QT is looking away. QT turns one punch, knock QT the fuck out. And then you, you could count to uh, 753. They ain't getting up from that for any time. Yeah. And 753, the number of heel face turns Paul White. Yeah. <laughs> In 2018 alone. Yeah. But, uh, no. Yep. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Move on to the cage match for the EW Tag Team titles. You have the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. Now, this is going to be a hell of a match. I have absolutely oh. no that. But, oh, Ray, oh, Ray but, Phoenix in a cage. <laughs> but my one thing, one, one that I think about this is why the fuck is this not Jurassic Express? <laughs> because I thought the story was there. Jurassic Express gets screwed in a match because of the elite shenanigans. Then I get told, oh, by the way, you're going to defend the title all out in a cage so the other members of the elite can't get involved. Huh. So, so to me, it made sense that the team that last got screwed by the Bucks and the elite uh, gets the title shot in the cage. So I'm kind of sad that it's not the it's not Jurassic Express because I really thought it made more sense for them to be in this match, win the belts from the Bucks and you know have Lucha Brothers get involved in Pac V and Jurassic because I thought if they were still involved there, then that meant they were going to turn on, they were going to turn on Pack. But now I'm not so sure. But you know what? I think either way, the Bucks are going to lose here because the whole cage thing has been set up to finally be a thing that brings their title reign to an end because they've had the belt since Bill Gear last year. I think it's about time they they lost them. It's just gonna. I, I honestly, I don't care who wins as long as like this Ray Phoenix in a cage and it's Panther. For different reasons, it's Ray Phoenix in a thing where he can jump on the top of it, and it's Penta where he can do damage to people, and the Young Bucks are great foil for it. So I don't really want him. I, I'm, I think it's the right time to lose the belts, but to be honest, if they retain them after a fantastic match, 
and then go on to kind of lose the next few. I honestly don't care. I'm just going to be so, so excited for this match. It's probably going to be... I think this is one of them where, like, yeah, have your focus elsewhere, even though this is a big match. I think this might be match of the night. I'm going to... My prediction is it's going to be match of the night. I think it has a good chance of being match of the night, I have to admit. Um, I think this is Lucha Brothers' time. Uh, what I, I reckon to some degrees, what you may end up having is the good brothers trying to interfere, um, regardless of the fact it's in a cage and it backfiring and beginning the issues between the elite. Um, also, do you think, do, do you think Andrade in, in I'd like, I hope, I hope not because I like pack together with pentagon and phoenix it's a it's a it's a slightly different blend to what you expect but i feel that the three of them actually work really well together and i would like to see uh phoenix and pentagon win to prove that they made the right decision to stay with pack so i sincerely hope that they're the ones who win yeah, I agree. Uh, I love the Lucha Bros. Uh, I used to watch them back when they were in Lucha Underground. That's where I kind of first mm. uh, seen them. Mm. And, oh man, I, I'm really looking forward to this one because I just, I, I'm probably in the minority here, but I totally hate the Young Bucks. Um, I, just, <laughs> I think they just, they ham it up too much. Uh, like the heel persona, they ham it up way too much for my liking. Like Kenny has got a good balance for like hamming it up. But the Young Bucks, I think, just go over the top with it. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to just seeing them get, like, really just, like, um, heart in this match. Like, I really yeah. hope that they just get... <laughs> I love the you're trying to escape around it. You're just like, nah, I just want to see them get hurt. Yeah, but you, you were talking about Lucha Underground there. Do you want, a, like, a cage match? Are you fully expecting... Because f- I want to see it, because we've got a tease, but then he went back. I want to see full dickhead Penta in this match. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, just I think especially with it being a championship, he needs to just like all, all no like all out just as the pay per view is called, just go all out, you know, just break break arms, go for it. yeah, break arms, yes, that oh, is so awesome. I yeah, love that gimmick. <laughs> until until Cody no sold on Dynamite match. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, oh don't, uh, don't get me started. We, I, I moved on. From that. Fuck, I say <laughs> that was. That was such a appalling decision from Cody. It's such it pissed me off. He didn't need to win against Penta then either. Penta yeah. needed the victory more than he did. What the fuck? Yeah, but full mm-hmm. dickhead. Yeah, yeah, for full dickhead. Penta and Phoenix doing yeah. a seven fifty splash off the top. I remember. I remember when Kay once got an injury in his arm. I think when looked around and like sold it up until a point in the match. But at least he actually sold it. Yeah, unlike fucking Cody, but. I think regardless of who their opponents are, yeah, is I think this is where the young bucks kind of get their comeuppance for being just dicks. Uh, he's like, yeah, the idea of all the elite, they've lost the impact belts from Kenny. The young bucks lose their belts, but Kenny manages to hold on to one last vestige of you know pride and accomplishment. He manages to hold on to the E to get the top belt for now. So I definitely think that I definitely think that Bro should win. We'll, we'll kind of use that to segue into Pack the Andrade because I think. If I'm not mistaken, the last pay-per-view match that Pac won might have been, I was going to say, when he beat uh, Orange Cassidy Revolution 2020, but that was his first last singles one. I think he, I forgot he and Phoenix won that casino tag battle at Revolution 2021, but he hasn't got a lot of singles victories on pay-per-view since oh. he came back. 
And he had one. Of, he least, had one of this very pay per view. It was an anniversary the other day of him beating Kenny in that match, which was just fantastic. So more yeah, of that, I, please. I'd like to so I'd like to see him win, but I think if the Blue Brothers win the tag belt, but Andrade beats him because Andrade's first like pay per view uh, on AEW, I think good story. I think can, yeah. yeah, I think they could use that to have further have traveling. Like you know, look at look at him. he's supposed to be a leader. He lost. You guys are the tag champs. You guys are, be, are being held back. You're better off without him. I'm not saying you have to have eventually end with the Blue Brothers leaving, but you could you use that to further the seeds of doubt before the ultimate reveal of well they are, won't they? So I'm yeah. going to say Andrade, even though I'd kind of like to see it be packed. So I wouldn't mind either way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But did anyone else mark out for a pack using the line? Come at me if you come at me, bro, if you think you're hard enough. Just for the like part <laughs> of the Americans being like, what the fuck does he even mean by those words? Why are those words together in a sentence? Um, is he talking about his penis? But no, um, it's just I mean, not. I mean, I mean, those trunks are very small. They don't leave much to the imagination. Oh, like yeah. Right. Trunks. Did anyone see him on Dark when everyone was just tweeting, why is Pac wearing clothes? <laughs> Wait, he, he wore clothes. I didn't think Pac wore clothes. I mean, when they did the first introduction of what AEW was going to be, everyone else was dressed in normal clothes and he showed up in full wrestling gear. Yeah, and then they had a big gimmick, they had a big gimmick about Hangman being in full gear and stuff. But no, uh, I, I completely agree. I think it yeah, exactly. I just think, yeah, um, if it was an English promotion, it'd be full kit wanker. Imagine that as a paper, you know. Um, but no, um, I, 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 I just, the one thing I hope, as much as I, I'm saying Andrade, I just hope Andrade doesn't phone it in because... I've watched that Kenny match and I just didn't enjoy it. I just hope Andrade, because if Andrade has his mind in this, this could fuck. This could be so, so good. This could be just brutal. And like, we're talking about some night contenders. This is probably second to that. As much as I will enjoy every, like the punk and everything, but in terms of like match quality and work rate, this is up there with that uh, cage match. Those are the two that could really, really, really steal the show. And I really hope that, um, I think that the cage match needs to go on first and then uh, Pac needs to fall short second. Uh, and although, if they have Pac versus Andrade first yeah. and Andrade wins and then the Lucha Bros win, technically Andrade could say, oh, you won because you were inspired by your true leader. Yeah. Oh. 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 Uh, I think that uh, Andrade's going to win because I feel like they've been building him up as this um, heel character and they're also putting him with Chavo uh, so I think that he's going to win although I, I really do like Pac and I think that he is just brutal in the ring um, and it's great to watch uh, so I'm looking forward to it and I think he's going to if, if Andrade doesn't as you say phone it in and actually put on a really decent wrestling match it could be like really, really good match. Yeah, he he has a point to prove here because he like it's not as been as good as we thought. Like it, it's been like it hasn't even got started. But he he really like he probably doesn't know it. But to us, to me, he needs to prove to us that he actually cares or can 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 really put a match together because it hasn't really shown so far. I don't. I think his debut was underwhelming. I think it's still salvageable. I think we've had poor debuts that have been salvageable. I think this is this is probably the most important match in relation to someone on the card, and that's a really weird like kind of set. But I think this is very very important. There's a lot of pressure on Andrade from our from our perspective. Anyway. Yeah, because he's done a lot of talking, or 
well, Travel's done a lot of talking uh, about how much he can do, but we haven't really seen it in an EW ring. Uh, yeah. So I think that he definitely needs to get a few wins under his belt, and I think that the first one's going to come all out. Yeah. Or all in. I want to see... <laughs> I want to really see the Andrade, you know, that was having those like five-star matches a few years ago, so... You know, I, I, do, I do hope he also doesn't phone it in. Uh, speaking of people who might be phoning in, at least I feel like he might have in some matches the last couple of years. I don't know how I like this. I don't like Chris Jericho, but we're going to talk about his match next. Because yeah. after going through the five labours of Jericho, where if he lost, he would not get a match with with MJF. So the fifth labour was a match with MJF, which he lost. Still get another match anyway, because this time he put his career on the line. Now, I, mean, I don't really know where I want this to go because on one hand, I don't really care about Chris Jericho anymore. I spent the last year and a bit shitting on him. Uh, you know, Canada's favourite Trump supporter. And I, on the one hand, you know, if he wins, then I'll say he can stick around, but I don't know how much more he, he's got left because he's got left to give after this one because the inner circle is a face group. I wasn't really hitting it for me. Whereas if he oh. loses, he can, he can still be a, a commentator. I think we've discussed already. Uh, his commentary is not the greatest, so I really feel like it's a lose-lose situation here. I, I think Jericho's going to win. I think MJF's going to win, um, personally. But I don't know why this the fifth labor didn't happen at all. I, I I was baffled when I saw this match advertised for a dynamite, and then I thought that was going to be it, and some, and then MJF is going to take the pay few off, maybe, and kind of reset, and then go after Punk. I this match just baffles me more than anything. I, I genuinely don't know. And I, I, I'm not interested in Jericho. He looked like... I hate to shame... But he looks like a bag of mayonnaise and he just doesn't... <laughs> he, he, he just... He, I, 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 I... If you ever listen to the... Sorry, cheap plug. I know Sam had one. Um, but when you hear it... Me, listen to me and Kieran. I am vehemently against Jericho. Jericho and Gargano that I've said both need to take eight months off and come back with a fresh gimmick and a fresh mindset because Jesus Christ, I am tired of Jericho. Like it's just it's oh, I'm tired of Jericho and MJ it's it's only harming MJF the longer he stays in the field. So MJF needs to win this. Maybe with a Judas effect. Maybe just just be, I think he needs to beat Jericho on it. This needs to be quick. If they go more than ten minutes, I just I'm, I, honestly this would be another piss break for me. I'm so, I'm I'm with Scott here. I just can't sit here with Jericho match at the moment. It's he gasses out after five minutes. Um, I think it's a difficult one for me because I quite like. Jericho, I like I like his um like his promos and things like that. Mm. Uh but his in ring work is not what it used to be, um uh, by any standards. Um it's a difficult one because I feel like he's got the name recognition that he could if he does keep his career going, he could get other talent over just by name recognition. Maybe not by the, the ring work at least. Um but I really do like MGF. I just think he is such a great heel. Like his work in the ring, out the ring, on social media, he is just a hundred percent that character and or that that persona. But um, I just think MGF is great, and I think that he he should win this match. But I think he should win it clean because I think then that will put him over more. Like I know he likes to you know cheat to win and things like that, but I think to kind of show that he can be strong as well as an in-ring performer. He should win clean, I think. 
I agree. Um, I, for me, similar to Rian, I'm confused as to why they didn't have this just on AEW All Out instead of Dynamite. I feel that having MJF lose would cause more damage than anything because it's all very good winning on Dynamite, but this is supposed to be the big moment. And if MJF fails here, I feel that it will be a mistake. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if Jericho is probably about to go on hiatus to do tours with Fozzie and that sort of thing. So if anything, it makes sense for him to lose and then he could end up taking a year off, similar to Cody, because he's I don't think he's needed as much either anymore. Um, and also, I think it's vital for MJF to win because I do feel that after Hangman Page wins the AEW World Championship, I think MJF will be the one to beat him for it. So the last thing you want is a figure who's been going on about how nobody has beaten him loses to someone that should be retiring in the next few years. Yeah, I love how you look like Jericho Jericho compared to like Le Champion run Jericho because that was he was just knocking knocking out of the park on a weekly basis. But now, yeah, you know, it's not that I want him to win. Like I'm predicting that he will win. But like I definitely think it probably should be MJF that wins. But you know, I don't really care about Jericho. Like it's very hard to buy into career stipulations nowadays. It's not never they never usually go. How you think they are gonna they're gonna go? So I, I think everybody else is saying MJF except for me, and in, even in the back of mind, I'm still I'm still saying MJF in a way. So you know, move on from that. A couple of matches left. I'm gonna say the Punk match for last because it's list, it's the last match listed on the Wikipedia for this show, and I've seen some people say because it's in Chicago, questioning if the Punk match should main event or not. But we'll talk about King Omega be Christian. I think we all kind of discussed earlier on that. Hangman's got to be the one that wins it, so Kenny's definitely going to win. But do you guys think that there's a chance that Hangman comes back on this show, or does he come back later on? Uh, judging by... don't know baby's Hangman's playing, and I guess he doesn't come back, judging by who they have planned to come back. I think Hangman deserves his own moment. I think they're going to be patient with it. you think maybe they'd do Hangman at Arthur Ashe? That could be a shit. I just think you could bring Hangman back at any time. Mm-hmm. I, you, you, you don't need a. You just need you, you. I just hope that there's there's the crowd stay because if they plunge back into like no, I think that that just be a kick in the gut to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd still do the story, but um, but yeah, no, I I don't think Hangman needs a big. I think it'd be cool, but um, I'd like to hear what um. Sammy and uh, Preston think, but um, I'm honestly not not too plus either way. But I just don't think this. I think Hangman stays off this show, and I think I think this it, it's more of a compliment to Hangman and the storytelling than it is a, than it is like oh we're keeping you off the show because you got these big guys. I think this is more like we want to give you your moment. Yeah, because he's gonna get that big pot when he comes back. But the main telling thing is gonna be the weeks after that at the pot and the reactions maintained like it. Like how hot it was, you know, a couple of months ago, because that'll be the true test if the fans are still as invested in the storyline, which hopefully they will be. But uh, what do you guys think? Do you think we can see a surprise after this match? Because I think the outcome as good what good as the match is going to be is predictable. Do you think we'll see some sort of surprise afterwards? 
I think there will be a surprise, as I mentioned, but I don't think it's going to be Hangman Page. I am expecting that at the end of the night, as Omega is celebrating, I think Brian Danielson will debut. And your Mm -hmm. final image will be Danielson facing off with Omega. And then like the announcers basically going, holy shit, what next? Tune into Dynamite to find out, etc. And that, to me, would be the perfect way of making you want to come back and see the next next event. David, do you have anything to add, or do you want to go into the next one? Um, in my personal opinion, uh, when it comes to the elite, there's not like there's hardly any clean finishes, and it just makes the elite look really weak. I think like it just shows that they can't win a match on their own. And I think I would actually like Kenny to win clean mm-hmm. over Christian just to show that he, yes, he's this chicken shit heel, but he can actually still get it done in the ring. Because I'm, I'm just getting sick and tired of all these run-ins and, you know, fully, shenanigans. Fully and, agree. Yeah, it's like Kenny is capable of beating Christian Cage <laughs> in the ring clean. So it's like just let him have his like let him have his moment and be able to show that he is able to defend the championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it doesn't need to be a clean match because it gives Graham more to brag about going forward because Christian was well, is undefeated currently and he will be. Obviously, it won't be after Kenny beats him, and so you can say, "Oh, he caught you by an arm, but I beat him clean as a whistle with the greatest finishing move ever." No one kicks out of that, and Christian now. He was a number one, number one ranked guy, uh, beating everybody, which then leaves the door open for Hangman to come back and show he's the guy to beat Kenny. But now, what what will probably be the main event to a lot of people, even if it doesn't go on last? Punk versus Darby Allen. Right. There are there are opportunities to make stars. Uh, other points like are like having MJF beat Jericho, and some people might think may not like it. Some people might be conflicted. I think if it's his first match and since 2014, he got to have Punk win. I know people yeah. say all about Hot Darby, but like Darby lost like three times, or like lost twice to Cody and once in a draw before eventually beating him. His story is losing to people before he beats them. So down the line, Darby can beat Punk, but for now, Punk has to win. Yeah, uh, I've been sitting on this prediction for about two hours now, and I'm about to blow your minds because. I think I agree with you. Punk needs to win. Punk one hundred percent needs to win because this is day because it's his first match back in seven years. And I have an, I have a way of keeping Darby strong, even though he doesn't really need to be kept strong in a sense. We just to, I think after the match, after whatever how long, I really hope this hits with you guys because I, I this is actually for once I haven't just seen this. I think after whatever how long, I think Darby needs to have Punk right in the position for that coffin drop. Go up onto the top rope. Punk gets straight up, hits him with a Pepsi plunge. One, two, three. The crowd would go fucking insane. Yeah, that's giving me shades of when um, the RKO that happened on Evanborn, when he went to do the shooting star press and just went straight into that RKO. Yeah, I'm getting shades of that. Because everyone in their mind has GTS, GTS, GTS. But everyone remember, like if you were like if like the summer of punk if you if if we're talking because punk specifically 
specifically in his promo highlighted that he left professional wrestling. I really have the opinion that if he left professional wrestling in 2005 and is back, the GTS shouldn't come out until maybe you bring it into a storyline. The Pepsi plunge needs to be brought back and Darby Allen selling the Pepsi plunge after almost having Punk beat is the perfect way to end this match. Because I think I think Darby could look like he might die off the Pepsi plunge. I think it could be great. And it could be just a big fuck you to Triple H who took the Pepsi plunge off him in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. I think that would be a hell of a finish that one you wouldn't have seen for easily 12 plus years and two it will be a bit it will feel like to some degrees that cm punk had to bring out his biggest finisher to defeat darby allen so allen actually looks even stronger that punk had to go for his ultimate weapon to put down that man yeah, and you get a Pepsi sponsorship. But anyway, uh, but no, I think you bring in like the <laughs> you bring in the old fans. You introduce the new fans to the punk of two thousand and five and his Pepsi plunge. You, if if someone who is a Laps fan who was a Ring of Honor fan sees that punk just did the Pepsi plunge, they'd be like, "Fuck!" And it just it 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 is a shock factor. Like I'm, I, even though I'm saying it here, I don't think the GTS needs to come out. I think that Pep. I I, I just think it would just. If you want, I think that's an all-time pop. That is a moment, and I think people, they, 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 the, the big, the tattoo was on his fucking shoulder for Christ's sake. It just needs to happen, and I, I was just thinking of it today. That I was just playing it over and over in my mind because, as we said earlier, Darby's biggest asset is his selling, and oh my god, if he just like dies off a Pepsi plunge and looks like he just folds in half, one, two, three. Doesn't hurt him because he had him laid down for that coffin drop, and I just think the crowd were going to say, "Sorry for just shocking everyone." <laughs> and and, and yeah. but no, I just I, I just think that would just that, that would just be so good. I mean, you need you kind of need that Pepsi sponsor to maybe replace the Dominoes when you nearly lost uh, after that whole Nick Gage fiasco. But uh, I like to see that. I mean, I like, I like to see the Pepsi plunges and maybe used occasionally because if you have to actually be in that position. In a way that makes sense to set up, otherwise it looks a bit too convoluted having to get someone up to the top rope to then deliver it, not as opposed to other moves that you do like off the top. But I'm looking forward to see how Punk looks when he comes out in his gear, and then because he was cutting weight for USC, he looked dangerously unhealthy. Trunks, I want Trunks Punk. Yeah, Trunks, and oh, I don't buy for saying the people who say, "Oh, how are we going to buy him as a tough guy after one in USC?" Like he's in a promotion that has a faction that features an alien. To met with a last lucky days ago who can do cool moves while his hands are still in his pockets. And not only really? that, not only that, he had the balls to go in to the UFC in the first place. Like all these people saying, "Oh, how can he come back from this?" It's like you go in the ring, you go in a <laughs> UFC ring and see how you fare. And it's like, yeah, you might have lost, but you actually did it. It's actually more impressive that he took the chance to go for something that he knew he might possibly fail at and put in the best effort he could. And it just shows that he is one of those that has no fear, takes no bullshit, and is just going to try whatever he wants to put his mind to. And in in that situation, it may have failed, but 
it also is very good at telling to his character that if he says he's going to try and do something in AEW, you can believe it because he's proven if he wants to do something, he'll do it. He wants to walk out on WWE, he'll fucking do it. He wants to go into trying UFC, he'll fucking do it. He wants to go into acting. Hey, they're talking about him on heels right now as being one of the best fucking characters. So if he puts his mind to it, he can possibly do anything. And then if he turns around and says, I want to be AEW world champion, he has proven that he can, that he is willing to do anything that he wants. So it brings more legitimacy to it. Uh, yeah, I just, I, 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 I there's no other end. Like, if I, I don't know what, what, before we leave, because I, I, we're, we're obviously we're time. Where do you put this match? The placement is going to be very important. I think it has to be either the main event or can't put it really to the middle of the card. I think there has to be after one QT match. Marshall Big Show, maybe. Anyway, I think there has to be at least one match in between this and the main event if it's not going to go on last. But it depends what match you choose to put between these two, because the crowd are going to be hot for both of them. Punk especially given it's Chicago, so I'm very much enjoying him teasing club ring time as well. I'm being like, not yet. I'm very much enjoying that little touch. As am I. I really enjoy it as well. And you know, they see Tmail even say he looks like when Punk was doing the wrestling scenes and doing the training. He said he looks like he could still go, and. Punk said, I've not really changed my... I did that media scrum, but after Rampage, he's not really changed up how he preparation. He said to him, it's like riding a bike. So, you know... Just don't, just don't eat the ice cream bars. <laughs> he's looking better, and hopefully when he gets back in the ring, he'll be as good as he was before, and show why he is the best in the world. And, and start, starts the autumn of Punk, because... <laughs> sorry, it's punk. not the summer. It's not the summer anymore. <laughs> The fall season of Punk has yeah. begun. The, uh, no. the new fall lane of Punk. Oh, but man, bottom line is, holy sh! Like, I love being this excited for wrestling. I don't know about you guys, but just like, I haven't like AEW's only but where like a week out. Like tonight, I'm going to be excited for the Dynamite Rampage. But like a week out, you're thinking about it, and it's just it's like a kid on Christmas vibe. It's it's just so good. You can have friends over to have a watch along. You're just the the hype around it. It's it, it's we yeah you see that kind of oh like like oh like oh you're just like but like it's it's just it's just so there, there's so much going on and we've talked about so many different permutations i'm just very very excited i'm very looking forward to talking about it after we see like the landscape could be completely different after all out and it's just it's very very exciting so when wrestling is good there's nothing better than it in the world because mm-hmm. it combines everything that you love and I'm going to throw out a controversial idea here. I legitimately would be tempted to have CM Punk and Darby Allen open the show. Mm-hmm. Because you are not going to get a match more fucking hyped. And if you have your opening match that fucking good, then the rest of the rest of the night, it's going to push everyone to try and match it. Yeah. And you, you could end up with something really fucking special. Yeah, and I'm very much looking forward to the countdown. To, obviously, countdown to all out their hour hour long preview is going to be on Friday, so very much looking forward to that as well. Um, they know how to hide the pay per view, and I, I agree. I, I think it could open, but like, um, I, I'm 
just it's it's so 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 nice to be this hyped about professional wrestling event. Absolutely, I've enjoyed talking to you guys for the last two and a, two and however long hours we we've been here, but we have to you know wrap this up and. We gave, we gave you the predictions of who we think what we think is going to happen. We'll give it back with an all-out review fairly soon uh, next week, and we hope to do some more wrestling content because I've enjoyed talking to you guys uh, oh, yeah, going 100%. forward. But uh, when we're not all together, we're going to find out what we're all up to on Rogue Opinions. Uh, we'll start with Sammy as the newest member of Rogue Opinions. Uh, let people know what else you're uh, what else you're doing here as part of the team. Yeah, I'm working with Nathan, Nathan on uh, heists that have happened throughout history and they're more uh, kind of like weird heists that have got mm-hmm. that people are quite un, unfamiliar with. And um, we're also uh, in talks. Uh, we're also in talks about doing some uh, metal music, uh, some uh, podcasts on certain bands because he is also into some of the bands that I'm into, which I was completely. Uh, blown away by because usually when I mention the bands I'm into people are like I have no idea who you're talking about so <laughs> it was quite good to um, actually meet someone else that's actually the same kind of music as me so that should be quite interesting so the, t- the conversation that I've had with Nathan and just the interaction that I've had with him, him him and the words metal music do not seem to go together so I'll be interested to check out how that when it comes out uh, Rian uh, let people know what you've got going on both here and on your on your own show. Yeah, um, here I'm just popping up, uh, talking for way too long with Scott and uh, Preston as he's known right now. Uh, for most of it, um, I'm hoping to just do more content with the lads and just have more AW content and just anything I'm going to dip my toe into. We're going to we have a few ideas. Me and Sam been batting. I mean, I'd love to review heels to be honest. If we're ever going to if anyone's yeah. ever interested in it, I'd love to like, I, I really like the aesthetic of the show very much, uh, I'm not a big TV guy but Jesus that looks like a, a show that I'd like um, Hallway Grabs Pod uh, I'm, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say we've been slacking but we do a back uh, but we will be back on the horse very soon we're actually recording a podcast tomorrow and we I have a back catalogue of interviews with the likes of former Ring of Honor owner Kerry Silken who was their owner and uh, it was owner during the summer of punk Oh, wow. um, Mark Haskins um, uh, I've interviewed the Ascent, uh, the uh, Ascension also known as the Awakening on the Ringsiders pod you can catch some of the interviews on the Ringsiders pod um, and there's uh, Besties in the World who were on one of the lads was on Dark last week um, were my like first interview uh, there's plenty of interviews there uh, Jay Christ uh, I, I can name them all but I'll be here for, I'll be here for a bit because I can't I'm not the best memory, bit of a goldfish memory, but um, you can catch all our back catalogue there. We have a lot of NXT takeover reviews, and we need to get back on those, um, ret- like retro reviews, and just anything and everything when I when I need to I need to get the motivation back because you know I'm a college student and summer's been quite <laughs> quite heavy away from the podcasting world. Uh, but no, um, you can catch all my stuff on there, and um, when I decide to get my finger out, I'll uh, record a lot more content because I need to get back on the horse because. Jesus, there's so much good content out there. But yeah, see you soon. Yeah, I was going to ask if the NXT reviews ever going to come back. Yeah, we need, yeah, we literally have been sitting on that Tampa bed. Uh, Walter winning the title off Pete Dunne. Now he's lost it, which is. But no, we will, we will definitely get. Out. We need to get them back because we really enjoyed them. But it's just sometimes when you like when you're like 
just a college just take college took over last year and it just kind of slowed down and then you're kind of you're struggling free time but i just need to find the motivation i i, I i'm a, a, it's not it's not there's too many excuses i need to get back onto it so there'll definitely be content when when very very soon yeah uh, sam you made reference to one of your uh, articles uh, during this podcast uh, let people know about that one and any other ones you've got in the works right now so some of the articles I'm currently working on uh, for cultured vultures, I have it that I'm doing a article on the te- uh, 10 opponents I'd love to see Brock Lesnar face now that he's returned back uh, to WWE. These are some uh, surprising names. Only one of them has he ever fought before. Uh, and even that was on a series of house shows. So there could be some surprising surprise names i've uh sorry i've <coughs> uh, been talking too much i blame rian um uh, fuck also, you, fuck you. <laughs> i've also uh done an article which is about the next five challengers for samoa joe's nxt championship i am currently working on an article highlighting the 10 best cm punk non-wwe matches to watch Obviously, most people are familiar with him from WWE. I want to recommend 10 matches they should watch to get a better idea of the sort of creativity and freedom he may demonstrate, hopefully. Oh, him versus Raven. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, for um, WrestleJoy, I currently have a couple articles in the plan. I have the All Elite Network plan, which has uh, discussed several features I would love to see on an All Elite Network. Uh, I also have it, my ongoing series dedicated to Shinsuke Nakamura as IWGP United States Champion, and also the ongoing um, series on CM Punk as WWE Champion for 434 days, which when I started it, everyone was like, he's never going to wrestle again. And now I'm preparing the next article when he's about to make his return at AEW All Out. So... The, I feel like I definitely have my finger on the post. Uh, and also, we have a new podcast idea for a possible series that Scott and I have been discussing. That I don't know whether you want to hint to it slightly, or should I? I think you should, because we've been doing it for so long, I've probably forgotten it. <laughs> so, discussing recently about whether or not we fought the Universal Championship was oh, yeah, doing, was successful or not? I said that I would want to do a series on rebooking the Universal Championship from its inception to the current day. This was not and, 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 and that's triggered me. I also remember that me and me and Sam are in the are in the kind of recognition stage of we might have a. We, I'd love to do this. I'm going to put this out there now. I would love to do a video or, or a podcast on how there has not been a good face uh, face world title run WWE since pre 2010, and try and figure out when the last one is and what's been a miss. So, yeah. Okay, good luck, yeah, good luck to you. <laughs> love to do that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you can see me on WrestleJoy, uh, Cultured Vultures. And rogue opinions, hoeing myself out as much as possible for <laughs> as much material as possible. So many plugs are going to blow the sock, blow the socket out of the wall. 
<laughs> oh, you want to see? You want to talk about too many plugs? You waiting? Just wait a second there, boy. Uh, one one thing me and Sam were involved in that he didn't, he failed to mention was the Rogue Retro Smackdown review. Uh, yeah, so coming out this Sunday, the Go Home Show for uh, Backlash 2000, the highest rated Smackdown of all time, and we discussed that and if it was worth that high rating. And the following week, we're going to have our review of Backlash 2000. We've already got a guest in mind. And that's usually going to be tricky along. Uh, make sure to follow Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Retro Smackdown on shows like this. You can also find me on Podnane Easy, my show with Carl Pierce. We are about to release the penultimate episode in our Loki review series. And we review series. And next week, we'll have the finale of Loki and discuss all the fallout and all the possibilities that could come from that. I also appeared on uh, Rogue Chronicles, which is Carl and Liam's series talking about famous villains. I appeared there talking about the mad titan Thanos. That was a really fun episode to do. Uh, like the Jimmy and Nathan have been doing some content recently. Carl and Nathan have a Man United related podcast. There's all sorts of content coming out every single day, both audio form and in article form over on our website Rogue Opinions 20 at wordpress.com and you can check it all out and I think that's it so many plugs plugs as we said the socket is going to blow and before it does we'll just lovely leave you and we'll say goodbye goodbye bye